2: 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends
3: in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
4: Governor Hochul delivered her first state of the state address as an elected governor. And she came with a
5: broad agenda mental health, bail reform, affordable housing, the minimum wage. The governor laid out her list of what she wants to get done, and she's already getting pushback.
6: May God bless the great state of New York, and may God bless America. Thank you.
5: Now to some big sports news about 3 weeks after the Mets reached an initial agreement with the All-Star Carlos Correa, he is not coming to New York after all. We got to this point because the San Francisco Giants and New York Mets
7: were spooked by Carlos Correa's lower right leg in the ankle area
0: and the notion that they were going to commit a decade plus to him with uncertainty
8: just proved
4: too much. Tonight, the largest nurses' strike in decades, and on the verge of stretching into a third day, thousands of nurses are now off the job at two major hospitals, Mount Sinai and Montefiore Medical Center.
3: More nurses
9: I don't know, I think I'm getting, um, I think I'm getting rid of Curtis. I, I just, um, this is Mary J. Blige with uh, Bono U2, Mary J. Blige celebrating a birthday today. It's a great song, U2's One, and they remade it with Mary J. Blige, and Bernard used to love this song too, God Rest His Soul. I do come live to this morning from the Bernard McGurk studio, but I, um, Mary J. Blige is, um, well, how old is she today? She's um, 52 years old. Happy birthday to Mary J. Blige, born on this day in 1971. Well, can Dan Herschel fix this damn mic already? My God, this is ridiculous. I got to bend over to talk on the microphone. Just fix the damn mic. It's got like like tape on it and masking tape. And he's a multi, multi-million dollar. I know John gets mad. Margo gets mad. But he's a multi, multi-million dollar studio. I've got a microphone with tape on it. And I got to bend over to talk. And
10: but the past hour, you've already been bent over. Yeah, in other ways. Hey now. Well,
9: well, I came in angry this morning, anyway. So Oh, there's a switch. Why? Because of Curtis. No. You know, I do the guy a favor. I love Curtis. You know, Curtis has been very, very good to me. I don't know if you guys know this, but back in 2016, when Chad Lopez was deciding whether to bring me back to New York or not. And uh, Bernard, of course, wanted me to come back, and Jill Vitale and Pete Morgan and a host of others. Most were against me coming back, especially Don Imus. Snipping, your moron. Especially Imus. He was against it. But uh, Curtis was one of my biggest supporters. And I love Curtis. And I tell you all the time how talented I think he is. He's not me, he's not, but he's talented. But I bring him on now, you know, and I I, I like when he comes on. He was on Monday, it was hilarious. Every time he comes on, it's great radio. It is great radio. But then what happens is, you know, I go home and the only shows I listen to on this station, besides mine, is I like Rudy because I go to the gym at 3 o'clock every day. And then I come home from the gym and I listen to John. Because I like John's show at 5 o'clock. He's got great guests, and he's smart. Otherwise, I'm not listening to Greg Kelly, not for a million dollars. And I'm I'm not listening to Curtis. That's my nap time that that time of the afternoon. And then I get, like, these, uh, my my phone starts to blow up. I'm trying to take a nap. I'm exhausted. I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning. My phone starts to blow up with stupid, you know, messages from listeners and like, oh my God, Curtis is killing you! And I gotta tell him over and over again, it's just shtick. That's all Curtis has. That's what he does every day, every day. The Sid wrap up, Sid, Eric Adams, blah blah blah. And he gets uh, he gets uh, ratings, which is good. And I I don't just don't care. It's fine. He does what he does, and he's having fun, and he's getting ratings, and it's all good, you know. But then when my phone starts to blow up, and I can't take a nap in the afternoon because I'm getting messages from people about Curtis, that's when I start to get pissed off. And I don't need it. And the messages usually are, what he's doing is not funny, it's not creative, he's just being vicious. Now again, I don't listen, and I don't care. Good morning, Pete Morgan. But that's the messages I'm getting. So now i got to rely on you two guys. Because you are here during that show, Lou Rufino at Macedonia Phil. Is there any truth to that, that Curtis uh, gets vicious? I mean, because I do all this stuff in good fun. If you listen to me and Curtis, for example, the whole segment is tongue-in-cheek. I don't care how Curtis feels about the mayor. I don't care how, how he feels about anything. <laughs> I just think he's funny. And it's never nasty when him and I are together. But is there any truth to this? though These are messages I get that he gets really nasty, specifically around 12.45, because if it's true, then I'm going to whack him. Let him do his own show, and his own weekend show. I don't need him.
11: Well, do you think that multiple people are texting you in unison, just lying? No, I
9: I don't. Well, then there's there's probably some truth behind it, no? I believe there is, and, and that's why as much as I love him and his segments are entertaining, there's a difference between loving and appreciating somebody, and I don't need him. I don't. Well, you don't need anyone except for me and Lou and Justin. Even that's debatable. No. Lou, yes. You and Justin were expendable. Put him. Oh, no, I wouldn't say expendable. No, I didn't say that. I no, I, I would say we probably are.
11: No, no, you know, no, 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 no,
9: no, no. No, you're not expend. You're great. You're great. I hope this show stays together for a long, long time. Long time. The way it is now, you guys specifically. I mean, look, I, I've told you over the years. Victor Bermudez was my producer in Miami. He's now won three Emmys at Telemundo. He texts me almost every day. Joy Taylor, Colin Coward, Shannon Sharp, her own sports show on Fox. Talk to her all the time. I'm not Imus. Imus has 100 guys he made famous. But I got a ton over the years, especially down in Miami. So the fact that you guys, outside of Lou, who's been a legend for 30 years, but guys like you and Justin, the fact you're enjoying success is something I've done for the last 20 years. Enjoying what? Success. You think I'm successful? Look where you were before this, yeah. I mean, comparatively, it wasn't okay. like you came here with anything. You had nothing. That's, that's fair. You know. I still don't think I have much. But... No. Anyway, stop changing the subject. The Curtis, yeah. I mean, and now I'm not, you know, the, and I'm, I, I, I sit here and, and I, I said I would get rid of him one day a week. Now I want to get rid of him all together. Well, I'm just getting angrier by the second. I don't even know why. Yeah, I don't know why either.
11: We haven't said anything, and you're right. just getting—you're just thinking about it. And you're letting it brew in your head, and yeah. you're just getting more and more angry. Does why it is you that much? I don't—I well, don't know. I think, um, you know, you're, you're, you get—you get, you get uh, heinous You have—you have some animosity towards people who are overly critical of you. I don't think Curtis is, is doing it in—you know—he's mostly joking.
9: No, I know that. But I know that. I—I I know that his whole thing is shtick. I don't care. But um, like I said, when it starts to uh, affect my nap time, because oh, I'm you're, old and I got... yeah. That's what you're mad about, is that you're, yes. you're getting woken Every up? Every afternoon at 1 o'clock, my phone starts to buzz. Oh, Curtis, he really blasted you today. I'm yeah. like, it's all shit. But yeah. then they go, no, 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 no. He was a little vicious. Well, then just turn off your phone. I can't turn off my phone. Why? I don't know. Maybe Mayor Eric Adams wants to talk to me. Dang. Maybe Donald Trump. I got news for you, folks. Donald Trump... Yes, President Donald Trump, back on this show next week. Now, I can't tell you exactly who made it happen, but I will tell you that I have a dear, dear, dear friend who dined with President Trump and Eric Trump at Mar-a-Lago last night, made me part of a three-way conversation with President Trump. President Trump's comms director will be calling me today he wants me to spend about a week promoting it. It's all true. And he'll be on next week. He, um, he was very, very kind. He was very complimentary. He knows I'm critical every now and then. He doesn't care. He knows I voted for Hillary back in 2016. He doesn't care. He knows that I stand by him still. In fact, just yesterday, I called out both Bo Deedle and Peter King for being backstabbing bastards, which they both are. And uh, so Trump is coming on next week. I'll give you the exact day today when I speak to his comms director. So that's a big deal. That's now, exciting. I know. Hopefully, it's the first time in six years. I mean, Bernie was up Trump's ass every day. God rest his soul. And he got him on once, once. And it takes six years to get the guy back. But he'll be on next week. So here's Curtis Leavel, who hates the mayor who, in a press conference last week, said Sid's my favorite host in New York. Here's Curtis Sliwell, who hates Donald Trump. He'll be on this show next week. Are you starting to see the theme here? No. No. Spell it out for me. Well, he's done. That's it. So it's just a matter of do I I put him on once a week or not at all? You can't do it not at all. Well, you can, but... uh...
11: I think it'll just get the the criticism would only get worse. I, you don't
9: know, you know understand. I, I don't care about the criticism. You're missing the whole point. you get woken up even more. No, I only get angry because people
11: contact me. Yeah, well, people are still going to contact you at 1 o'clock every day. They are? If you kick if you kick him off your show entirely, he has no appearances, you think he's going to stop talking about you? No. He's going to talk about you four times a much. Let me as ask, Lucas.
9: Lou thinks his, his act is old and tired and boring, and he, he won't say it, but I will for him. Okay, good. Now I... Uh, we'll move but, on.
10: Uh, you've said it now. Well, I always <laughs> tell you not to
9: tell me stuff off the air. You know what's going to end up on the air. I mean, I, 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 I try not to say it, but I can't control myself. Well, I
10: make the mistake of thinking you'll act you know, <laughs> like a human being. Right. Once one day it's coming, no. but you uh, know, Pete Morgan right. his as he
9: knows. We'll to get to Pete Morgan, okay, too. But, all right. So, what uh, do you think I do here with Curtis? I want you, because you're a, you're a
10: legend. You're the man. You're great. 30 and, years. And then you this will end up saying, Lou, you're stupid. I'm just going to do it anyway. No, no.
9: I'm, I'm not saying you're stupid. No, you're. I've never called I, you stupid, have I? I've oh, called sure. Phil stupid. I've called Justin stupid. I've never called you stupid.
10: That's okay. Haven't you you called me stupid. You,
9: you you deserve more respect than that. I've been stupid. It's I know. Okay. You, you, yes, you do say some stupid things. Yes. There's no question There's about not, it. Absolutely, no. I do. No. I say a lot of. But what stupid do I do things? with Curtis? here? What do I do?
10: I I I maybe you uh, maybe you think about scaling back. I don't know. Maybe you, yeah. Maybe you think about scaling. Why
9: don't you talk to him? Yeah, he's not going to do that. You can't talk to Curtis. Okay. It's like talking to a. To, uh, I don't know, uh, um,
10: but it's, uh, this is a great analogy. This, the, uh, Kim Kim Jong-un, that's
9: stupid. No, that's dumb. Stupid. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Lou, you deserve more respect than that. That's
10: true. (laughs) You think
9: once a week's enough?
10: Yeah, I think it's probably,
11: yeah, I think once once a week week. is enough for any guest, right? Doesn't that make sense? Like, well, Bo
9: Diddle is on twice a week now. Well, now he is, yeah, well,
11: I guess. I just think once a week's enough for, like, any—
9: I know. Like, there shouldn't be anybody on this show more than once unless a week.
11: You, if President Trump wants to hop on twice a week, do that. Well, that's different. You do different, that. You do right? that. But the it's...
9: president, even the mayor, i put on twice a week. I'd put Jeff yeah, Lopez uh, yeah. on twice a week, but these other people, you know, Bo and uh, Curtis, and uh, I don't know. i got to rethink this whole thing.
10: Well, you're generally upset, so there's— some, I'm not really some... upset.
9: I'm just— I just. Say.
10: Well, you were upset before the show.
9: Well, but... I'm, f- I'm fine. I'm upset. Okay, great. Uh, Pete Morgan, good morning. How are you, pal? Stupid. Good, good. (laughs) I was born stupid. What are you talking about? What do I do with uh, Sliwa once a week, twice a week, or not at all? Once a week. Plenty? How about talking to him? It, you know, Luke makes yeah, a good you point. You can't talk to him. I mean, some, you you, know, you it... understand there's something wrong with him. He's not a normal person. Yeah, the... Oh, and you he, are. He has 19 cats <laughs> in his house. He, Look up "normal" in the dictionary. There's no picture I know, of you there, bro. There, there's different types of abnormal. <laughs> he, he is a, there's just, I, I can't explain it. Just, he's completely, he's off the reservation. He's gone. It's over. He lives with 19 cats. Well, He Fights with everybody in the city. He doesn't have one friend in the city, not one. Not one. Now, he's brilliant, and he gets good ratings, and I appreciate all that. But he is just, he's completely gone. And I, now I've decided to put him on twice a week. And then every day at 1245, he eviscerates me and talks bad about my friend the mayor and talks bad about Trump Who's coming on next. What are you laughing at? What? My friend the mayor. That's I right. It, yeah. He's trying uh, to fix this city. Listen, uh, he's on. You have an apartment in this city now. You should be rooting for Eric Adams. I am rooting. Well, then don't laugh when I say my friend. We're, all, we're, all, we're all rooting. <laughs> <laughs> listen, all Doesn't Curtis, sound of that way to me. Curtis Sliwa wants this guy to fail in the worst way. He's so butthurt that Adams kicked his ass that he can't even for one second put the city that he's defended for 40 years ahead of his own personal issues. He can't even do it. He's gone. It's over. So you, you firmly believe Curtis has no friends. I know that for a fact. But he's on Sid and Friends twice a week. Right. right. You're right. I guess, yeah, I guess okay. he doesn't <laughs> <laughs>
11: Curtis has told <laughs> me he has no friends. He, he, he brags about it. Yeah. He doesn't,
9: he, he's, he's, proud of he's, he's got seven or eight guys or girls that are part of his Guardian Angel crew. He's got his wife, who's a lovely girl. I love Nancy. You know that. And he's got cats. That's who he talks to. Cats. Well, I don't mean John Katz and Mattiti's. I mean real cats. He's a crazy person. Curtis
11: reeks New York. He
10: loves oh the city. God! I'm tired of
11: hearing that. My God!
10: And listen, he gives you a hard time, and
9: I'm all for that. You're all for that. Anybody giving you a hard time, <laughs> and we'll talk during the break. Okay. Yeah. Now he's all for good. He's not getting on any day oh, this God. week. That's it. Pete just swayed me, so we go from two days a week to one day a week to zero. That's it. We're done. Oh, uh, we got a big show coming well up done, today. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> big show coming up today. You know who's be live in the studio today? Steve Gutenberg. This guy's a really good actor. Police Academy. He was in Dino, one of my favorite movies of all time. Three Men and a Baby with Tom Selleck and those guys. He'll be live in studio coming up at seven forty. The great Congressman Peter King. He'll be here at eight forty this morning. Nine oh five. Former DEA agent Derek Maltz on the fentanyl issue coming here into America, obviously. And uh, we've got uh, eight oh five. We've got uh, somebody else. We've got four great guests today. You excited. The Rangers win last night? They did. Oh yeah, they did in overtime, right? Panarin got the other you game. You were supposed weren't. to be sitting next
6: to me. This is uh...
9: Well here's what's happening. So Saturday, I think I'm moving back to New York City for four months. Because it's gonna take four months to fix my house. So they're gonna put me in a hotel for about three weeks and then get me an apartment, maybe even in Battery Park, for the other three months until my house is fixed. So I'm gonna be living in New York City again starting next weekend, and the Ranger game becomes easy. Right now to go back and forth between Manhattan, Rockaway, and Manhattan doesn't make any sense. Sure. But okay. next week I'll be living in the city again. Yeah. So we can go you and know, I go back to Flash Dancers and those other places you like to go to. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you want to come next week, Lou? Wednesday night, Flash Dancers and Rangers. Me, you and Pete Morgan, Yin. in? Uh, I'm moving that night, so I'll <laughs> you know. <laughs> it is time now, folks, for the Tunnel to Towers update. Frank Siller talks about the foundation's relationship with the upcoming iconic
6: Hula Bowl. Here's more from Frank Siller. Tunnel to Towers is the title sponsor of the 2023 Hula Bowl, the nation's premier all-star college football game in Orlando, Florida. The Hula Bowl is donating $10 from each ticket sold to the foundation, which will go to our programs in support of America's heroes and their families. We are proud to be the title sponsor for the iconic 77th Hula Bowl, which also proudly honors our military and first responder heroes. Our work in Florida is nothing short of absolutely amazing. We are developing our Let Us Through Good Village in Lando Lakes, a community of about a 100 homes for our recipients. It is a special place where severely injured veterans and families of the fallen can heal together, a place where their children could grow up together. We welcome our first family into the village just a few weeks ago, a Gold Star family, the Thorntons. God bless you and your new home, Danielle, Jalen, and Kinsley. God bless America.
2: Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. <laughs>
9: Nevermind, this just smells like teen spirit of the classic Nirvana album Nevermind, which, by the way, dropped, no, actually hit number one on the album chart 31 years ago today. Back in 1992, the year I got married, this album, Nevermind by Nirvana, hit number one on the charts. Do want to thank Frank Siller, my dear friend Frank Siller, for the Tunnel to Towers update. Make sure you keep listening all morning long. Every Wednesday... Here on Sitting Friends in the morning, you get a nice tidbit from Frank Siller and the great folks at Tunnel to Towers. You heard it at 618. You'll hear it again at 718, 818, and 918 all morning long. Thank you to Frank Siller and Tunnel to Towers. So the imbecile in charge, as Bernie would call him, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, was in Mexico yesterday, Mexico City talking about how he's renewing our allies with Mexico and making it strong again with Mexico and all that stuff, you know. So here he's in uh, Mexico talking about the immigration issue, the greatest migration in history. This is uh, Joe Biden, cut number three.
8: This has been the greatest migration in human history. We're trying to make it easier for people to get here. Opening up the capacity to get here, but not have them go through that god-awful process.
9: See, he just wants open borders. He just wants amnesty. He wants all these people here. He didn't even try to hide it there. You heard what he said, right? You got Mayorkas. Come on in. Yeah, DHS. No, the border's closed. Kamala Harris, the border's closed. Play that again. Listen carefully to Joe Biden cut three. Sounds to
8: me like he wants the border wide open. This has been the greatest migration in human history. We're trying to make it easier for people to get here, opening up the capacity to get here, but not have them go through that god-awful process. Why?
9: Right, exactly. That's the process. (laughs) So, you know, he was in El Paso a couple of days ago, and he went to the border for about three hours. The sanitized part of the border... They actually bought some of the, brought I should say, some of the immigrants back to Mexico. They swept up, they cleaned up. Joe Biden didn't see nearly a quarter, a tenth, a one one hundredth of the actual disaster. For him to say he went to the border would be like me saying I went to the border. Yeah, he was in Texas, but so what? Here he is uh, talking about his visit to El Paso. Joe Biden, cut number four.
8: On my way here. I stopped in El Paso, Texas, to see the situation from my own eyes and to meet with U.S. border security officials It's putting real strain on the communities in both Mexico and the United States. We're working together to address this challenge in a way that upholds our nation's laws and protects the human rights of migrants facing desperate circumstances.
9: Then he goes on to lie here. This is a flat-out lie from Joe Biden. He talks about going after smugglers and fentanyl and all that stuff. He's done nothing about that. I mean nothing. Here's another flat-out lie from President Joe Biden, cut number eight.
8: We're also working together to take on the scourge of human smuggling and illegal drug trafficking. Not true. In just the last six months, our joint patrols in Mexico have resulted in the arrest of more than 7,000 human smugglers. We've seized more than 20,000 pounds of deadly fentanyl at the border. And today, we've discussed how all three of us can continue to deepen and strengthen our shared efforts to cut off the flow of illegal fentanyl, including by tackling the precursor chemicals used in synthetic drugs as we uh, go after the Come laboratories on. where they're made sure. and the stash houses where yeah. they're stored. Yeah.
9: Here's uh, General Jack Keane Lewis. This is cut number 11. He tells the truth about the cartels' control of the border and not the nonsense that Joe Biden just tried to sell you. Once again, General uh, Jack Keane, cut number 11.
7: The cartels are in charge of the border. And it's the cartels that are facilitating the national security problem of human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, the movement of terrorists across the border that are on the terrorist list and now exceed 100. And we have no idea of those who got across who obviously haven't been detected. And we don't have a plan
9: to deal with any of this. So while Joe Biden is in Mexico, was just in El Paso, Texas, battling the immigration issues, trying to strengthen our relationship with the Mexican president in Mexico, the truth is, is there is a very serious situation brewing inside the Biden administration. And that is that now we become aware that Joe Biden has classified documents Back at the Biden Center. Now, not nearly as many documents as President Donald Trump had at Mar a Lago, or who knows how many Barack Obama has in Chicago. Point being, folks, every president, everyone, this is nothing new, has documents at their homes or at their offices or at their libraries. This is nothing new. But, but the presidents have the opportunity to declassify. These documents, whereas a guy like Joe Biden, who took these documents when he was vice president, couldn't do that because only Barack could do that. So right off the bat, anything he has is basically classified because he does not have the authority to declassify them because he was vice president. Yet, when Donald Trump had all that nonsense going on at Mar-a-Lago, SWAT teams, FBI raid, what they did to him was so disgusting and so over the top, they should be embarrassed. Days of Merrick and talk. And here's Joe Biden back in August of 2021 on 60 Minutes, taking Donald Trump to task. How hypocritical does Joe Biden sound right now? Lewis, this is cut number 10. When you saw the
7: photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at mar-a-lago what did you think to yourself looking at that image
8: how that could possibly happen <laughs> wow how anyone could be that irresponsible right and i thought what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods by that i mean names of people who helped or etc and it's just uh, totally irresponsible oh really Yeah, funny, because you've done the same thing.
9: So, yesterday in Mexico, he made a statement on these classified documents. And once again, Joe Biden does his best act, which is, I don't know. I don't know. This is Joe Biden cut number nine.
8: When my lawyers were clearing out my office at the University of Pennsylvania, they set up an office for me, secure office in the Capitol. When I, the four years after being vice president, I was a professor at Penn. Uh... They found some documents in a box in you know, a locked cabinet, or at mm-hmm. least a closet, mm-hmm. and as soon as they did, they realized there were several classified documents in that box, right. and they did what they should have done. Yeah. They immediately called the archives, immediately oh. called the archives, mm-hmm. turned them over to the archives, and I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken sure. there to that office. But I don't know what's in the documents. My lawyers have not suggested (laughs) I ask what documents they were. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes. Seven years later. Seven years later. We're cooperating fully. Right. Cooperating fully with the review. Because he got caught. I shut this off. So
9: seven years later, he's decided to cooperate fully. Shut up. Shut up. He did the same exact thing Donald Trump did, yet he he, he eviscerated Donald Trump on 60 minutes. And the question remains— why was a vice president why was a vice president in possession of classified documents to begin with who asked that question the honorable Byron Donalds of the state of Florida just yesterday on CNN this is cut number 15
12: wondering why the vice president of the United States had classified documents outside of the hands of the intelligence community listen it's been pretty clear that presidents do have some classified documents, but the difference between a president and everybody else is the president has the ability to declassify information. The vice president has no ability to declassify information. So, number one, what was he doing with classified information in his possession? Number two, why did it take six years? And I, I want to stress this for the American people: Joe Biden left the vice presidency in 2017. So it's taken six years for these documents to surface. That is incredibly concerning. And point number three, and this is the one that's most important. Everybody can go back to the Hillary Clinton email saga. We know other presidents have had classified information, but why was there a raid on Mar-a-Lago? But now this story just kind of seeps out and everybody's saying, oh, we just want to get down to the bottom of it. And everybody's giving the benefit of the doubt. A vice president of the United States or a secretary of state or anybody else should not be having classified information period. Home
9: run Byron Donald right there. Joe Biden lying in Mexico all day, lying about the classified documents. And again, the good news is President Trump coming on this show next week. And hopefully that's the beginning of a lot of appearances by President Donald Trump.
2: At info at Gabolaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC.
9: Pete Morgan here and our guide Justin Ellix in with sports. Justin, let's talk about the
13: Rangers. <laughs> we will, Pete. Thanks a lot. Pete Morgan, of course, from Peerless Boilers. Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters, you got to go to PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com for a dealer near you. They are America's best built of boilers. And indeed, we will talk about the Rangers. They squeak by the Minnesota Wild. At the Garden by a score of 4-3 to get back to their winning ways. It took a shootout to decide this one as Philip Heedle came up clutch for the Blue Shirts late in the third to knock things at three before Artemi Panarin buried the deciding goal in the subsequent shootout. Igor Shesterkin took care of the rest by stuffing Minnesota's Frederick Goudreau thereafter. And the Rangers take the win into a contest with the Dallas Stars at the Garden tomorrow night. The Devils, they were victorious as well. They beat the first place Hurricanes 5-3 to in Carolina. To close the gap a bit uh, atop the Metropolitan Division, Dawson Mercer registered his first two-goal game in the NHL, with his second coming halfway through the third to push the Devils in front for good. And the win marks New Jersey's third in four games as they begin their five-game road trip on a high note before heading to Anaheim to face off with the Ducks on Friday night. And now for your lone losers on the night in the Islanders. They, lo- they fall 2-1 to one in a shootout. At home to the Dallas Stars, Anders Lee was responsible for the one Isles goal. And Ilyas Hirokin, he did more than enough to get the W in net with his 26 saves, but it proved not to be enough as New York will try and pick up the pieces tomorrow night at home when they welcome in the aforementioned Minnesota Wild. Looking ahead to local sports action tonight, got one game out on the hardwood at MSG. As the Knicks, they get set to welcome in the Indiana Pacers for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update again, thanks to the great Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. I am Justin Alec on 77 WABC.
2: Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
9: After Midnight by Judas Priest, a Lurifino favorite. Six forty-five. Your hump day Wednesday morning. John Katzenmatthes will join us at seven oh five. Seven forty. Live in studio actor Steve Gutenberg. Eight oh five. We'll talk to Bob and Unway and the folks at Goya Food. They are working to stop human trafficking, and we got involved in an organization down in Boca, Danielle and I, many years ago, called Place of Hope. And all they did was work with young girls who were saved from human trafficking. They had a huge campus in Boca. They took the girls in. They fed them. They clothed them. And that was a charity we worked with for many, many years. And my daughter, Ava, who's in school right now studying law in Wales, just outside of London, she plans on going into that law, protecting girls who have been human trafficked. So this is a big segment coming up at 805. Congressman Peter King At 8.40, Derek Maltz, 9.05, former DEA guy on the seriousness of the fentanyl problem. And then at 9.25, I believe Lee Zeldin will be here as well. Pete Morgan is live in studio. And uh, sitting with me right now is the host of The Other Side of Midnight. I talk about him all the time. He's one of the real talented guys left in New York City. There's a lot of hosts, not a lot of very talented hosts. He's one of them. My friend Frank Marano. Frank, good morning. How are you, pal? Good
14: morning, Sid. It's great to be here, and it's great to see you and Pete. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, You're big Judas Priest guy? I like that song uh, because the whole after midnight connotation of it. Oh, right. Everything. That's right. Yeah. Rocking after so midnight. So do you play that for your show? Once in a while, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, the uh, first three hours we play Enter Sandman, yeah. right? And then the last hour it's uh, I'm Not Tired Yet. Did, did you text
9: Mariano Rivera and ask if that's okay? Uh, no, I got permission from Billy Wagner.
14: <laughs> Even better. Exactly.
9: Uh, now, while you wore dressed up, you look very handsome today.
14: Well, uh, Jennifer, who's kind enough to uh, book guests, he says Steve. she said Steve Gutenberg is going to be here. Right. You can't be dressed all Slovenly in your pajamas like you normally are we have a reputation to maintain as a station ah, so uh, i don't want to embarrass anyone
9: but why don't people uh, dress like this every single day why, well you you're stylish that. you're stylish is that what it is yeah okay uh, we're not why not just do it every day i my, my guys they came in with the tunnel to towers uh what was that uh radiothon and uh Phil, for example wore a uh a uh, turtleneck and a pair of slacks elec wore a sport jacket they looked good and now today they're back to looking like scumbags. Why? What is oh, the...
14: I, you know, I, I guess that's the nature uh, of radio, right? That's why you I go to radio, especially in a behind-the-scenes role rather than TV. Well, but a lot of other broadcasters have taken your uh, approach. John Gambling, for instance, always uh, John A. Gambling always dressed very nicely. Joe Franklin always approached uh, the microphone Joel wearing Franklin, a suit and tie. He loves stripes, <laughs> matzo. <laughs> <laughs> and Dominic Carter always wears. Yes, yeah, Dominic looks too. very very nice. Yes. Yeah. And uh,
9: I miss wore a cowboy hat. Well, Why did he do that, Frank? What was it? you
14: got me? I don't. <laughs> I mean, you, I, you'd be the person I'd be asking that to. No, I to. have no I idea. Know. It was
9: the silliest thing I've ever seen. Right, dumbest. Uh, here's what we'll do. Wh- where is our uh, Lou Rufino? Because I get yelled at now for the clock. This is a new thing. So I have to break at like 48, break up the momentum from the guest, take like a two minute break, and then bring the guest back at like fifty fifty one. Take them back to the top of the but hour. But
14: if it's a, a net, not a network show and there are no affiliates depending upon you to break, why right. do you need to break at 48? You know,
9: Frank uh, asked a very interesting question, which I've been asking for months, but they claim it, it
14: messes with the clock. I, see. I have
9: no patience to argue.
14: Well, what messes with the people listening is they're hearing an enjoyable conversation Correct. all of a sudden to be interrupted and say, oh. all right, see you later. I couldn't agree more. Bo Diddle complained about it yesterday. I'm not complaining, I want to be on record. <laughs>
9: <laughs> Can Just you take us to Breakville? You know how to do that. I guess he does. We're going to come back with the very talented and entertaining Frank Morano discussing a wide range of topics, from Kathy Hochul's state of the state to my man Chang in Brooklyn to what's going to happen in that big council race in Brooklyn as well. More with Frank Morano right after this. I just got this from Barbara Salerno Ferrone, Hey, uh, listener, she said, In my opinion, when you have Curtis on, I turn the radio off. I don't care for him. That Guido voice he has is irritating, and he's not very compelling. Plus, he never misses an opportunity to talk about you and how he's the reason why you're back on the radio in New York. I'm, I'm having this, um, this um, dilemma. is fighting my own head here. Mm. I decided to bring Curtis on not once a week, but twice a week. Mm. But I guess he does this afternoon show, which I don't listen to. And um, he thinks he's being funny, but I'm getting messages from listeners that he's being really vicious and over the top and not funny. So now I think I have to scale it back to once a week or maybe not at all. What do you think, though, Frank? I think you should.
14: He, he also makes fun of you all the oh, time. Oh, constantly. Yeah. But I don't mind. It's great promotion, and uh, I, he does it sort of with very tongue in cheek, honestly. No, but
9: he, he, I, I always said that, too. But now I'm getting, like, Bob Cornicelli, for example, he ran
14: against uh, Andrew Galbarino. Mm-hmm. He sent me a text the other day. He said, That was not tongue in cheek. That was flat out nasty. When Curtis doesn't like someone, and I think you know this better than anybody, he really just doesn't talk about them. Now, also, you've got a, a few. Are you nuts? He can't stand Mayor Eric Adams. Well, and that's the, all he talks about. Well, is I'm Adams talking all about day. in terms of radio, right? Yeah. If you listen to the if you want to know who Curtis doesn't like yeah. listen to the people that he doesn't mention No, I understand. I, I, know, I know his shtick but right. when it gets to
9: the point where my phone is blowing up at one o'clock every afternoon, I don't want to deal with that I just don't, I don't need it. So you're making
14: programming decisions based on who's deciding to text you at what time? Well, they wake me up in my nap Right. Okay, i got to take a nap well, every as, day. As long as everybody knows the keys to the kingdom here and how, <laughs> how guests are booked, uh, I, right. I, I think that's, uh, that's the important thing. i got to blow them out. I have no choice. I think also a lot of the people, they take Curtis seriously when he, he shouldn't be taken seriously.
9: 100% true. And I've told these people time and time again it's all shtick. Right. And they come back and go, it may be shtick, but it's getting nasty. Mm-hmm. And I don't care. Again, I don't care. But I can't I can't be woken up from my nap. I I, I need to sleep in the afternoon. The, you can appreciate the,
14: that. The do not disturb option? I can't do it. No, I got okay. the mayor
9: texting me and I'm talking to Trump. I got a lot <laughs> going on here. you. Okay. I mean, come on. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, the state of the state last night, uh, the governor, how did she do? Right.
14: Yesterday afternoon, me- mediocre. Yesterday and, afternoon. And, yeah, right. it, was, right. um, it was a mediocre delivered speech. No real items of uh, major consequence. No big uh, projects. Nothing that's going to define her legacy. She did uh, throw a nod, and I expected a little bit more of this given the results that we just saw in the gubernatorial race. She did make a little tip of the hat to bail reform. She said judges should be given some discretion. She said that bail reform should be revisited and tweaked. little light on specifics. She did say she wants to hire more prosecutors, more state troopers, and uh, invest heavily into mental health, all of which I think is good. But she tried to tweak bail reform last year, last session, and the legislature rolled her. So why would she be able to do it this time, especially when she just gave them what they wanted in terms of going along with this massive pay raise? If she was serious, Curious about bail reform, she should have said, No, I'm not signing a pay raise until you pass bail reform. Couldn't agree more. Let's go to this uh, Brooklyn City Council race. You know, Mike
9: Ragusa was live in studio last Friday. Then I get a text from Inna Vernikoff on Monday saying, Hold on a second, Sid. I didn't say I'm endorsing Ari Kagan yet. There's a lot of really qualified Republicans yet to announce they're even going to run. My job is I want to get the best Republican in there. I'm not saying it's not Ragusa. All she said was, Sid be patient. I know he's your friend, but be patient. Let's get the best Republican out there to run against Justin Brennan. What are you hearing about
14: this well, race? Well, look, this is uh, going to be a very competitive race in both the primary and the general. Uh, but candidates are going to have to jump in quickly. Petitioning starts in a month, right? So it's a new political calendar. The primary's in June, not September. It used to be in September. So petitioning wouldn't start until much later in the year. We're here. So candidates, if they're not enrolled in the campaign finance system and starting uh, to raise money to qualify for matching funds within a matter of days or weeks, they're not serious candidates. So on the Republican side, yes. You have Michael Ragusa running. You have Ari Kagan running. And uh, we're also hearing a couple of other uh, people that are well-known in this part of the district. Liam McCabe, who's run for the seat before, and uh, Brian Fox, who ran for the seat two years ago and almost won. He was ahead on Election Day, and it's only once those paper ballots were counted that uh, that he didn't emerge as the winner. And then they're talking about maybe a female candidate jumping into this race as well you got to keep in mind, under the new lines, though— This is Lady Anne I keep hearing about. Yeah, I I don't know much about her, but under the new lines, whatever Republican emerges is going to be at a disadvantage in the general election. It's a very Democratic district now. The best chance that the Republicans have for a pickup in Brooklyn might be this new Asian Republican seat that they've created. And they're actually talking about maybe running Lester Chang— for that seat next. Well, it
9: looks year. like Lester Chang though is going to survive. They screwed my good buddy Thomas Sullivan in Queens. They stole that from him. He won. He beat Stacy Piper Amato, but they stole that from him. But it does look
14: like Lester Chang is going to survive in Brooklyn, yes. It does look that way. I mean, he, well, the State Assembly was would love to block him, but then they realized that a lot of their members, a lot of Democratic members of the majority, including Deborah Glick here in Manhattan for instance, they don't actually live in the districts that they're claiming to represent. Right. So it became a situation, alright, how do we seat Assemblyman Michael Blake? How do we seat Deborah Glick? And yet that guy the, the, is the one person we're going to make residency an issue for? Come on, this has gone on for years in Albany, and if they were going to raise an issue, it should have been done uh, at the time of petitioning, and I think everybody realizes that. You won't agree? He, he's going to have a problem with, he? This, with Lester Chang okay. with the rent-controlled apartment, right? Yeah. Uh, because that's something you're only supposed to take if it's your primary residence, right? And at looks like maybe that wouldn't have been that might not have been an appropriate thing to take but that's not a matter for the state assembly to decide that's a matter for i don't know an ethics uh, right, violation right. or a prosecutor to look right. into well so we'll listen, see
15: uh,
9: thank you for uh, coming in this morning oh you were here anyway you did your own great show thank you well, but I, thank you for staying and you were great and i love when you come on the show people love when he comes on the show see all the feedback i get when frank when frank mino's on is great and uh with curtis it's not so good so
14: let me preemptively say sid i love you too thank you i love you <laughs>
10: <laughs>
9: Usually you won't say that, Frank's like, okay, see you next time. <laughs> I told you what Ein Eagle once said. He said, yeah, love, I don't know, I'm, I'm fond of you, but... I'm not going as far as love. So thank you for that. Frank Morano, folks. Thank you. Every overnight here on WABC, he's a great radio host. He gets tremendous ratings and the one-two punch of Morano and Rosenberg. Mornings at WABC make it a great day for the rest of this cast. We'll take a a short break when we get back. Hour number two, a big hour here. John Katsimatidis is going to stop by. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. And then... Actor Steve Gutenberg live in studio. A big 7 a.m. hour about to come your way. Sitting Friends in the Morning, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
2: This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
9: Oasis, don't go away. It's 7.06 on your hump day Wednesday morning, hour number two of Sid and Friends in the Morning on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Breaking news, the FAA outage causing massive disruptions. Flights all over the United States late, canceled. Right now they're running this on both MSNBC and CNN. And I can't help but think China, right? I mean, this may be nothing. It may be some, some glitch But when you start to see this, a massive FAA outage causing massive disruptions, flights across the country, China, Russia, these two things come to mind right away. Maybe the conspiracy theorist in me, I don't know. But that's what I'm thinking. Once again, breaking news, FAA has grounded a ton of flights, a system outage all across the country. With that said, I bring in the man who hosts Cats at Night, 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon. The Cats Roundtable, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. The man himself, I love him dearly. And the owner of this great radio station, John Katz and Matides. And, John, I know you, you got to be thinking the same thing as me. All these flights, this massive outage. Are you thinking China, Russia, some type
16: of foreign attack? Said anything is possible. Uh, I mean, uh, it seems like that, that's the first thing we think about these days, and, and uh, it's, just, it's just sad. I mean, I, I hear that our WABC phone systems were out for a little while last night, yeah. were they?
9: Yes, they were. We were down for about two minutes last night. We had phone difficulties yesterday morning, but the station basically was off the air for about two minutes at about 1 o'clock in the morning. So, yes, we've had those difficulties here as well, John.
16: Well, you know, they were, uh, I think our engineer was blaming Verizon. Uh, it uh, it very well be Verizon. Like, you know, you, you you scratch your head. You know, I spent the whole day in Buffalo yesterday, and it's so different. It's so different. There are a lot of hardworking people in Buffalo, but they have no clue what we're talking about sometimes day to day in in New York City. Wow. Uh, they it, it's a different life completely different uh, and uh yeah yep. uh you know we worry about terrorism we worry about uh uh getting to work we're worried about so many things they have a different mentality they're worried about going making it through the day and and uh, they're worried about their immediate community uh and uh, beautiful people wonderful people uh but it just uh it just put in my mind There is a difference, Uh, and people have told me that, but until you experience it, uh, people in Washington, people in New York— we're, we're worried about different things than the people in the rest of the country. No, there's no
9: doubt. In Buffalo, they worry about uh, the weather. I mean, they've had some horrible snowstorms. They worry, believe it or not, about whether the Buffalo Bills are going to win a football game on a Sunday. That is deeply invested in that community. And they worry about putting a, a loaf of bread on the table because a lot of those folks don't make a very good living unless you're Kathy Hochul. So let's get to Kathy Hochul, the governor. Her state of the state yesterday, John, You know, you know this. Fracking doesn't exist in New York. Cuomo decided that even before Hochul. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. It makes us energy independent. It means a ton of jobs, a ton of money. Once again, another state of the state, and nothing really in there that says to me, energy, the issues, are going to get any better here in New York. What did you hear?
16: Well, what I'm disappointed in is that she didn't put her foot down uh, with the State Assembly and the state Senate to get uh, Mayor Adams more help and to clear up this crime situation right. in New York City, uh, which uh, people are suffering the eight and a half million people in New York, the twelve and a half million people in in, in greater New York or long island were suffering from this bail law uh, and uh, she didn 't put a foot down and she could have put a foot down when it came down to the raise. Instead of signing on to the raise, then, then she should have said, okay, I'll give you the guys the raise, but you've got to fix bail reform, and, and you've got to fix a few other things. And uh, let's see what happens. You know, it could be said that uh, they're both, both sides are playing the violin. What do I mean by that? And said, okay, let's take it down to the wire, and we'll make a deal the last minute. Uh, including that judge, that Hispanic judge. I'm surprised that the Hispanic community is not making a bigger deal out of it. Yeah. The judge that's supposed to go onto the appeals uh, court. Yep. Because uh, uh, there is no high-ranking uh, Hispanic official to that effect. Uh, but let's see what happens. What what the state senate is saying? Oh, let me tell my people. I'm going to put my foot down. But we'll settle at the end. That's what you call the violin is playing mm. and they'll, they'll settle later. What, what say you? No, listen, I'm glad you
9: mentioned my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, uh, as I continue to be vilified every day, social media, phone calls to the station, even some of your own hosts that take me to task, John, for buddying up to the mayor. I don't care. I don't care. I want to fix this city. And I know in his heart of hearts he wants to do the same thing. Now, he's got to be careful. He can't just go up to Albany and go scorched earth on Stewart Cousins and Heasty and Hokel because, quite frankly, he needs money for other things in this city outside of crime. While crime is the most important issue, there are other things in this city that he needs money for, and they'll screw him. They won't give it to him. So he's in a very tough uh, situation because he wants to fix it like you and I do. But he doesn't have the authority to do it. And if he just goes berserk on
16: these people, then we're totally screwed. You understand what I'm saying, right? Uh, Absolutely. But I do think that that, that's the number one thing. People don't want to take the subways. People don't want to uh, take buses. They don't want to come to work because some some of them are very scared.
9: Well, they should be, because it is scary out there, and it is getting better in certain stats. Less shootings, less murders, but subway crime is not getting much better. Hate groups, uh, you know, the hate crimes on Asians and Jews are at an all-time high. So there are some indicators that things are getting better, but not nearly enough. I couldn't agree more with you on that. But, you know, you look at uh, the, uh, even the, um, the, the, the supermarket stuff in the New York Post. Yesterday, John, I was fascinated by this. You were in the paper yesterday, you and Dominic, talking about how many folks steal stuff from
16: your Gristidi stores, and it's quite a bit, yes? What, what I've said to people, if a person is hungry and they're stealing a loaf of bread, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to put them in jail. Right. But if they're professional shoplifters, and they go in and steal hundreds and hundreds of dollars in product to resell it to somebody. Now, go directly to jail. Do not pass go. I mean, I'm going to give you two statistics. The new, the latest statistics: 335 shoplifters, according to the NYPD, 335 shoplifters had 33,000 arrests.
10: Jeez. Oh, my God, is that at right? At what point?
16: <laughs> I mean, at what point you say enough is enough? <laughs> I mean, come on. And oh. and the other and the other and the other one uh, that uh, the other statistic that uh, uh, three thousand three hundred uh, uh, criminals are, are responsible violent criminals uh, for violent crime. You know, I told you I don't care about love of bread. How about violent crime? 3,300 of them are responsible for 97%, 96% of the violent crimes wow. in New York City. Now, the State Assembly, the State Senate, why are they supporting 3,300 criminals and not supporting? Eight and a half million New Yorkers.
9: Great question. You tell me. No, that is that is a great Crazy. question. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous, John. You're right. I mean, such a minimal amount of people compared to the millions and millions that live and work here, and yet they cater to those folks rather than us. There is no logical explanation. Now, I do owe you a piece of congratulations. You know how close I am to the state of Florida. Lived down there for 16 years, Boca Raton. And uh, I keep up with all your business dealings, John, because you're a good friend of mine. And uh, this new, beautiful high-rise building in St. Petersburg, it is not easy to get $250 million these days. So congratulations. So what is the latest with the new Katsimatidis high-rise in St. Petersburg?
16: Well, we were building it regardless of, of, of borrowing the money or not borrowing the money, which is the good news. Uh, but we hope to be have it finished by the spring of 2025. Wow! Uh, the tall, the tallest condominium on the west coast uh, of, uh, uh, of Florida. And the the one thing I argued my own guys about, my own people, <laughs> I wanted uh, on the roof. I wanted a beautiful club. People could go up there, look at the stars. People could go up there and enjoy the sunshine. And they say, oh, boss, it's going to cost an extra $3 million. I said, damn the $3 million. I want a beautiful building. Right, if you're already spending I say, it. I want a beautiful building right. that, that people, that i will be proud of.
9: Well, they obviously uh, did what you wanted them to do. If you're spending hundreds and hundreds of millions on a building, what's another $3 million? Uh, John, is, is that no, a— The, it? the number, it's $400 million is the fund. $400 million. million. So is, are those rentals, or you buy those?
16: the are condos. But what I'm thinking of doing is buying, like, 40 of them on my own and renting those out. I love that. It's that way people yeah. have a, the
9: they can do it both ways. Right. So on the way out, you know, uh, for months now—not for months, but for about a month, you know, I, I've gone back. I was the guy that initially was very, very tough on Mayor Adams. You know that. I even swayed Bernie to, uh, to get tough on Mayor Adams. That was me more than Bernard. But, you know, I've turned the page, and now I work with the guy. I'm trying to fix stuff. But back at the, uh, at the gala where they honored John, you, and Margo, deservedly so, at Frank Siller's Tunnel to Towers Gala, I walked in, and the first person I saw was Cindy Adams. And she was yelling at me, John, what are you doing, hanging out with the mayor, blah, I said, Cindy, Cindy, sweetheart, I want to see the city get better. And I'm going to tell you something. If you sit down with the mayor, you're going to find out he's actually a pretty good guy. And what do I read in the New York Post Monday morning? Adams with Adams, Cindy Adams, dinner with Mayor Eric Adams. How about that, John Katzimatidis?
16: Well, they're part of the Adams family. They're related.
9: <laughs> they're the whole time Eric they were happens
16: related. Happens to be the darkest side. <laughs> Eric, Eric happens to be the darkest side of the family. What's wrong with that? That's funny.
9: That is funny. Now, I was glad to see she did that, and and now I believe I don't know you know better than I do, John, but I believe she probably feels a little different about the mayor than she did two weeks ago. Yes.
16: Look, we got to support this guy because he's our only hope right now, and the, the the people in Albany, we have to put our foot down, and they have to realize that we want to be safe, and uh, and we're going to start naming names of the, pe- the leadership in Albany that's not keeping us safe. It's the only way to do it. You've got to shame
9: these people publicly. Well, listen, thank you for hopping on, uh, as you always do, John, early with me this morning. It was a great appearance. We'll all be listening at 5 o'clock this afternoon to your great show, Cats at Night. We love you, John Katz and Matitis. Great job. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. There he is, John Katz and Matitis. Check him out every weekday afternoon, 5 o'clock, Katz at night. And he does a great show Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., Katz Roundtable. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm
7: warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. President Biden back from Mexico, but CNN reports that during his visit to El Paso, Texas, on the way down there... He avoided actually talking with any of the migrants currently living in that beleaguered city. The White House says Mr. Biden did not have the opportunity, but CNN says that's bull. More than a thousand undocumented people were in proximity to the president. Now, the hard truth is that Joe Biden interacting with foreign nationals that he is allowing into the U.S.A. in violation of federal immigration law would be a very bad look for him. So his handlers kept the president away from the damage he himself is doing. Joe Biden doesn't care about migrants. If he did, he would order discipline and accountability on the southern border. He would also demand what Donald Trump demanded, that the Mexican military stop the undocumented immigrants from crossing the border with guatemala mr biden in mexico city could have easily negotiated that with president obrador but he did not as far as we know why because he doesn't care it's hard to believe i know that but you don't allow almost six million foreign nationals into this country in less than two years if you care you don't it's impossible that is the morning O'Reilly update more analysis later on
2: purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free see better and drive safer with O'Reilly
7: Auto Parts
3: oh 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 O'Reilly
2: Auto Parts is Sid and friends in the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my
3: best friend.
2: 77 WABC. Boy.
3: Hello, baby, hello. Haven't seen your face for a while. Have you quit doing time for me? Or are you still the same spoiled child? The only place you thought to go Am I the only man you ever had Or am I just the last surviving friend
9: Elton John Harmony at 728 on your Wednesday morning. Great job already by both Frank Morano and John Katzenmatini. Still a come, very popular actor. He's got a new movie coming out on the Lifetime Network. Steve Gutenberg, live in studio. He'll be here at 740. Then at uh, 805, we'll talk to my friend from Goya Foods, Bob and Noonway. He'll be on the phone while Raphael Toro and Tanya Ramos will be in studio. They're running a campaign for Goya Cares talking about uh, awareness for human trafficking, something me and Danielle got involved with in Boca, at A Place for Hope. So that's coming up at 8.05. The great Congressman Peter King is always coming up at 8.40. 9.05, ex-DEA agent Derek Maltz. He'll be talking fentanyl and all this stuff happening at the border. And then I think Lee Zeldin will stop by at 9.25. If you missed it, Lee Zeldin who really ran a great race for governor in a very close loss to the Wicked Witch. That's what she is, folks, the Wicked Witch, Kathy Hochul. Zeldin did a video, a very nice tie jacket outside his Shirley Long Island estate, (laughs) uh, about the state of the state from Kathy Hochul. And as you can imagine, he was not very nice. Here is uh, Lee Zeldin. We'll start with this what he thought about the whole state of the state in all. So, Lou Rubino, let's start with Lee Zeldin, cut number 25.
5: Kathy Hochul's budget and financing plan for New York, which breathtakingly features her special interest in pay-to-play corruption, is a a model that will eventually collapse. New New Yorkers are going to be left holding the bag. Hochul's state of the state address was another small swing and a big miss.
9: Let's go on to talk about uh, Lee Zeldin talking about, uh, let's see, let's go, corruption. How about that? This would be, well, actually, even better. Let's talk, yeah, Lee Zeldin, corruption. This is cut number 22, Lewis.
5: After watching Kathy Hochul's State of the State address, it's clear that our state under Hochul is leaping off a cliff. During last year's campaign for governor, we offered a new vision for the Empire State, one that would restore law and order reverse decades of economic decline, and finally break the corrupt culture that has infected Albany for too long. You didn't hear Hochul talking about fighting corruption, did you? Millions of New Yorkers voted for our agenda. I received more votes than any Republican statewide in 52 years because of a desperation to save our state. Yet amazingly today, it is clear Kathy Hochul has confused the results of what was the closest gubernatorial election in a generation for a mandate to continue the same failed policies that caused our state's spiraling decline.
9: Here Lee talks about how, once again, Kathy Hochul continues to prioritize criminals like John Katsimatidis just talked about over law-abiding citizens. Lee Zeldin, Lewis, cut number 23.
5: It wasn't just Republicans who voted for change. It was Democrats and Independents as well, Asians, Hispanics, and many others hitting their breaking point in our state. These are voters desperate for a chance to succeed, struggling to make ends meet, concerned about crime and their kids' education. New Yorkers are rightfully angry about politicians in Albany prioritizing criminals over law-abiding citizens. These are the New Yorkers who are marginalized and suffering in silence, cowed by the woke mob rule that has reduced the concept of freedom to a punchline. They've been canceled by one-party rule. And Democrat governors who told them time and time again to leave the state, get out, they say, if you don't agree with their vision of New York.
9: She did say that, get out, you may remember. Mayor Eric Adams is like, no, 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 don't leave, don't go, go don't go, don't go, Stay. She's like, nah, go ahead. Lee Zeldin, Sid Rosenberg, Donald Trump. He's already gone, by the way. He's in Palm Beach, but she's an idiot. Anyway, they're still leaving the state of New York, according to Lee Zeldin. Final cut here, Lewis. Lee Zeldin cut number 24.
5: These Democrats pretend to worship the idea of diversity, but they don't practice it. They preach to the sanctity of the ballot. Yet they illegally conspired to deprive millions of voters of fair voting districts. They claim to care for those in need. Yet they eagerly release career criminals to prey disproportionately on the weak and the vulnerable amongst us. They talk about promoting a strong middle class while seeking to make more of them dependent on government handouts. This has all led to a historic outmigration from our state that is destroying communities, neighborhoods, and families. Those who can leave have left or are packing as we speak. Nothing that they heard today from Kathy Hochul is
9: going to change their mind. All right, that's Lee Zeldin, who may join us at 925 on Governor Kathy Hochul's State of the State yesterday. I've got more breaking news on this system outage, which I broke uh, about 30 minutes ago, with John Katsimatidis on the air. The FAA is now pausing all U.S. departures until 9 o'clock this morning. I'll say it again. You're going to hear, I'm sure, Russia, China, something, somebody has something to do with this, this huge system outage affecting flights all across the country. And once again, the latest, FAA is pausing all U.S. departures until 9 a.m. this morning because of this very, very fishy system outage. Boy, this is sit Friends in the Morning.
3: Friends, 77
2: WABC.
17: Can't compare Mathis to Sinatra. There's no way. No
5: way. They're in totally different leagues. Eddie, they're both great singers. You know not thing about Sinatra? He's good, but uh, he's kind of thin. Pretty, I don't like that. Yeah, but you can't compare them. Sinatra is the Lord, all right? He's big in movies, he's big in nightclubs, he's what, big... Let me ask you another question. Start. When you want to make out, who do you make out to? Sinatra or Mathis? that's a stupid question one question answer
3: that it's irrelevant
9: I won't answer Chances are one of the uh, great movies of all time one of my favorite movies of all time diner I'm spitting a bagel out of my mouth I'm so Jewish it's disgusting Spinning bagels I'm out of my mouth during an interview. Uh, Steve Gutenberg, of course, was a uh, brilliant uh, in that movie, as well as so many others. Uh, police Academy, Three Men and a Baby. Now he's making a movie. <laughs> Talking to Danielle about this last night. It's coming out on the Lifetime Network, and uh, it basically gives pointers to wives I'm married 31 years on how to murder their husbands. And uh, Danielle said, trust me, I tell you, i I, I I've looked it all up. I, I got it. <laughs> I said, if you haven't killed me yet after 31 years, I think I'm safe. Anyway, live in studio, here he is, an iconic actor and a terrific guy. He just made me cry, by the way. The great Steve Gutenberg and he made me cry because you guys know on the station, they dealt my whole father thing with me, and I cried every day. And the listeners were terrific. And you just, it breaks my heart, you just
18: lost your father. Yeah. Did he have cancer? What was wrong with him? My dad had renal failure, his kidneys. Oh. And for the last five years, uh, my sister and I, my other sister from Jersey would come out uh, often, but my sister and I would take my dad to dialysis every day. And then, of course, my dad was a highly decorated uh, Airborne Ranger. No kidding. The VA was fantastic. And we went to a medical facility, my sister and I, and we learned how to do home dialysis. So... We, were, we For three years, we took my dad to the center to do dialysis, which is really tough because sometimes you have to wait to get in, et cetera. But we learned how to cannulate him and to do all the medical facility so uh, that needed to be done. So we created a medical office in his house wow. in Arizona. And so he would just have to get up out of bed in his pajamas, mm. toddle over to the Den, which we made into a medical office, mm. and sterile, we wore masks and gowns and sure. et cetera. Sure. Then we cannulated them, which means we put in two tubes. One where the blood goes in, one blood goes out. In dialysis, you clean all the blood. The Blood is chilled to 34 degrees in this wonderful machine. It cleans the blood. Where our kidneys work 24 hours a day, his kidneys were working three or four hours a day, which is a machine. And, um, and it was wonderful, and we pro- prolonged his life. And um and then we he passed away in July and it was how how tough. old was your dad when he passed? He was eighty nine. My, my mom was eighty eight, so we're very close. And it's really yeah. tough to lose yeah. your dad yeah, if you're close with him. And and I'm so glad to to share this with you. Um, and I met another guy today at the hotel, lost his dad. You know, when you lose your dad and you're close to him, it's something we all have in common. Um, and, uh, and and he's with us right now, right? Yeah. Your dad's with you well, right I now, Well, I keep right? hearing that every time I enjoy any
9: success. I mean, I've had a great year and a half since he passed wow. away, career-wise, family-wise, wonderful. and I keep hearing your dad Your dad is with you. Now, I'm also very close with my mother, who happens to be at a hospital in Aventura as we speak. She's fine. Oh, what's she up to? You know what? She gets these chest pains because oh. she's crazy. She's okay. she's one of these crazy Jewish ladies. Yeah. She's anxious. She's That's nervous. Wonderful. Yeah,
18: so very she's lucky. fine. You're very lucky. Anxious. If they're not anxious and wonderful... As Jewish ladies, then this problem. Right Anxious is good <laughs> Yelling, screaming, cursing That's a good Well, she has Jewish
9: become, person. Steve, an icon
18: on this show She has yes. Oh, yeah she's What's her name? My name
9: is Naomi no, Naomi is Rosenberg
18: Naomi. Naomi Yes, and she's Naomi. a huge
9: political person wow. And this show is mostly politics Right And she watches Fox News all day, every day Oh, wow That's her whole thing And she, she, she wants to have sex with Donald Trump Even though he's about 10 years <laughs> younger My father's dead, I can say that now <laughs>
18: <laughs> Wait, she must have sex with Donald Trump. Well, she Trump. hasn't
9: admitted that yet, but okay. it seems clear to me, She Steve. loves him. She loves woman him, woman yes. loves him. Yeah, she loves Naomi,
18: him. Naomi, what's a beautiful name. <laughs> oh, thank you. What a beautiful lady. Thank you. Is she listening now? Uh, of course she is. Naomi, she, uh, I just want to say hello. I love you. <laughs> and I have a wonderful Jewish mama, and her name is Anne, and she is anxious and yelling and screaming See, and go. cursing and angry all the time. So, I love you. My father's mother was Anne Ann oh. Rosenberg. Oh. She was the most
9: evil person God ever created. Right. She was like an evil grandma. Good, good. In fact, I, I'll tell you a story which I'm embarrassed to tell, but I had a cousin. His name was Jeffrey. He was very close with Jeffrey. He died a very young man in his 20s. Oh. He had this really rare disease, and he died in his 20s. Sorry. And we were very close. It was my father's sister's uh, son. Thank right. you. And one time my grandmother got mad at me. And the call with Danielle, my wife, and she said, how come it was him and not you? <laughs> my own grandmother. I swear to God, Steve, my own grandmother. The evil Anne. How come it was him
18: and not you? I was asking the same question. Oh my God, <laughs> I, I don't want is that, to... Is that wrong to say? I shouldn't it is have wrong. said that. Let me take that back. <laughs> Reverse the whole... The, the reels. I was please.
9: on the way to taking it to the movies, too, to see uh, some movie in Brooklyn. I think Avatar. I One of remember. my
18: movies? Uh, Yes.
9: Thank you. Yeah, so Police Academy. Thank you, Police right. Academy. I
18: knew she loved that movie.
9: <laughs> you know, but you talk about your movies, even today, whether it's the Alan Amici whether it's Sinatra versus
18: Mathis. Diner, a great movie. I mean, did you realize when you were making that how iconic that was going to be? Well, you know, when we started, um, I, I was very excited. Listen, any young actor is just thrilled to be working. But when Tim Daly and I did the scene in the bar, I came out of there and I called my publicist and I said, I think we got something. Wow. I mean, Barry Levinson's a very, very bright guy, very easy to be around. He knew what he was doing. And he got really talented guys, Kevin Bacon, Paul Reiser, Ellen Barkin, Danny Stern. And, and Tim, don't forget, you also hired up before you got hit in the face with a bag of baseballs, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. And let me <laughs> tell t- Mickey and I became best buddies on that movie. And Mickey is a very sensitive guy. Yeah. And, and a really wonderful person. Have you met Mickey? No, but he, he, he is he's sensitive. A, he's I've a heard good that guy. You know who told me that actually? Marissa Tome. Yeah, he's a very sweet man. Yes. And she was great in The Wrestler. Oh, yeah, they were great the together. Yeah. Yeah, really. Well, terrific. that cast, you, you just mentioned like six or seven great actors. Really terrific. And I mean, the writing was brilliant. Yeah, which reminds me of Sybil Shepard in How to Murder Your Husband. How do you like that as a segue? That's awesome. Not man. bad. Have you done this before, Steve? No. Saturday <laughs> night I'll be doing it on Lifetime Channel, yeah. 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock Central. But if you wanted, if you don't see it, it's on mylifetime.com. If you don't have time, you can always stream it. I love Sybil
9: Shepherd in uh, oh, Moonlighting, oh, I, and, I, and I miss Bruce Willis. I hope he's okay. She. I don't know if he's okay or not, but... What about capable? her in
18: Taxi Driver? Oh, I remember that. The Last Picture Show. She was great in all those. The Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, A lot of great movies. Oh, man, when she walked in the room, we were doing a makeup and, and hair test. I was nervous. She's Sybil Shepard. Of course. And she's 5'11". She's gorgeous. Still. You yeah. know, still. Yeah. Got a great personality. She grew up with money, like yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And, like uh, and she's yeah. privileged. So yeah. she has like this me. sort of air about it. Sure. And, you know, I'm a working class guy. Um, and I had a great time working. Were like you that. nervous when you walked into the studio with me just now, or not really? I, w- I, w- I was actually sexually nervous. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, can I say the word nervous? Was, no, of course. I know I could say sexually. Of the, can absolutely. Can nervous? Uh, yeah, I was, you know, I'm hot for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and Naomi, if you're listening, I'm
9: hot for your son. I am, uh, well, uh, it's different because most radio guys are like fat, or if they're not fat, like Stern, I miss, they look like crap. Like,
18: uh, not like Howard me, actually, but I do movies. Howard so. actually is kind of attractive. He's cute because he's so good. He might be. He's from Hempstead. Yes, he is. And I love Hempstead, guys. You do. I love him. You go to the Roosevelt Mall often. I go all and, the uh... time. Eddie Murphy and him are my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Did you um, do Stunt Show quite a bit? I've done it a few times, and I no. did. I'm not doing it on this tour. I think Gary turned me down. Because I'm not hot enough, <laughs> yeah. you know. You need to be hot. Don't laugh. Know. It's true. You know, and I, I know I was on the fence with you, yeah. and it's a favor. I understand. It's a favor. Well, Frank Marano I, talked I me into it. it. Frank Marano was like
9: he's got this love affair with you. Oh, you, I love Are Frank you on Marano. his show
18: all the time or something? I mean, or? Well, listen, he's a Long Island guy, and you yeah. know, it's Long Island. We're, and you're from? Not from I'm Long Island. a Brooklyn guy. You're I'm Bar- I'm Borough Park. I know you are. And where are
9: you from? I'm from East Twenty Second and Quentin. Wow, Twenty two sixty, right by the Madison High School. Nice. But you sh- you should know that I went to Yeshiva High School. You did. I did. I went to Solomon Schechter wow, on the corner of East Fifth and Church, not far from Borough Park. You're smart. I'm very smart. You yes. are very I'm smart. I'm very handsome. Okay. Yes. And very I'm all handsome those and things. smart. <laughs> <laughs> but you were asked to leave. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> I did. You were asked to leave? I was, yes. Oh. Whole other story. We gotta take a quick break. We got more to do with Steve Gutenberg. It's got new movie coming out. This Saturday. He's been a part of five or six iconic movies in the history of cinema. He's a really sweet guy. I love him. Steve Gutenberg on Sid and Friends in the Morning, right into this.
3: Chances are you think my heart? your Valentine.
2: This is Sid
3: and Friends
2: in the Morning. 77 WABC.
3: Ooh, ain't got no hope. I know a wrong, ain't got no home. I know a wrong, I'm a lonely boy, I ain't got, a home.
9: I got Steve Gutenberg and I are exchanging pictures of his late father, Stanley Jerome, God rest his soul, and my late father, so Harvey Herschel.
18: It's hear that late, you know, it's just...
9: It's weird, I know, I know, so I know. so hard
18: to... to to live with, you it's know, hard. in a way, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it's funny about grief and not to, but you know, I mean, we all have losses. The grief is tough, yeah, you know, and uh, I, I watched this great podcast with uh, Anderson Cooper and Stephen Colbert and um, Stephen Colbert said, you know, the love you get from those people is like food. Mm-hmm. And when they pass, mm-hmm. it's like you're starving to death. It's true. And it's true. really true because that love, especially yeah. your dad who loved you. Really cared about you. I always say, listen, my mom cares about me, my wife cares about me, my sisters, my friends, but nobody loved me. Oh, no, like my the father. The, the, the father son relationship,
9: you know, that first porn you watched together, and uh, <laughs> yeah. who could forget that? No. I mean, does Dallas?
18: Actually, the first porn I, I watched was my best friend, Russell Remondino. We had uh, Playboys, and he, he, he had them under the bed. And my other friend, Epstein, worked at a stationery store, and he got, like, bondage stuff. Crazy stuff. <laughs> you, know, you, know, that you know, what's really... funny about that, though? He mentions two guys, and right. they're both Jewish. Both, so you are like this, Steve. So my
9: parents sent me to Poly Prep, which is a great school in Bay Ridge in Brooklyn. Wow. And back then, 1970s, was already $6,000 a year. That's how great Wow, that's very smart. One day, they go, he's done there. We're spending $6,000 a year. His grades are miserable. And every one of his friends has a vowel. At the end of his name, right. Danny Fogliano, Joe Tacopino, Arthur Idala. He has no Jewish friends. Right. So they decided we're going to send him to yeshiva. All his friends will be Jewish. Right. So they sent me to Solomon Schechter. That's great. And my friends went from Vinny, Danny, and Gary to Yitzi, Isaac. And I got to tell you something. Pound for pound, there were more degenerates at my yeshiva. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, Steve, I swear to you. Really? Oh, my God. Now, they may be home for Shabbos. Right. But the rest of the week? Really? Steve. Degenerate.
18: Uh, t- degenerate. They loved it. They loved they, it. They loved it. I understand. <laughs> they loved it.
9: They loved it. I mean, look, I'm my past is, is uh, pretty public. I've had all kinds of, you know, jail and rehab and all kinds of stuff. I don't know about yours. I mean, you seem like a pretty... Easygoing guy, smart, great actor, and not got a lot of a,
18: issues. I have a Twizzler problem, and I'm going to admit it right now. What does that mean? Twizzlers. I love Twizzlers. You can't stop eating them. I just can't stop eating. Really? Them. I'm crazy for Twizzlers. Is that like a well-known psychosis? Uh, I've had a lot of problem with them, man. I, I, <laughs> you know, I don't know why you have to bring it up. Yeah. So but he's... I've had a lot of problem with Twizzlers. Yeah. I eat them all the time. I'm Ryan. eating them up night and day. I'm stealing. Is them Is there a Twizzler rehab like cocaine for me? I went away. I went <laughs> away for six months. I came out. The first thing I did was I went to the Twizzler factory. Three. And I live there.
9: That's
18: all I ate. Look at my skin. I'm red. I oh, yeah, You are that's red. That's why yes.
9: I'm red. Yeah, you have blood pressure, obviously. I'm feeling terrible.
18: So we have two bagels here. You love bagels. Why not a bagel for Steve Guttenberg? I'm, I'm no carbs. Oh, I'm, really? on the, I'm on the Tom Cruise diet. No, you look um, really great. I, that's No carbs. Is that what it is? No carbs and okay, but, lots of booze. Okay, well, that's lots fine. Of booze. I like that. Drinking all day and aggravation. There's a lot of Aggra- carbs and booze. We and Are you sugar. kidding me? Yes, I'm cutting out the
9: the, the booze. <laughs> just aggravation. That's all I do. You can on. eat carbs in the morning. Yeah.
18: Do you work true. out on a day at all day. I'm you? a workout man. My dad was a workout man. Oh, good. And uh, I'm a workout guy. Good. I'm a gym rat. Yeah. And uh, but I just started trying to eat clean. And and, and oh, good. good. So I'm trying. Well, see. how old do you know? I mean, I'm 79. No, you look I, amazing. I appreciate. it. You look more like 62. I'm I'm gonna be I'm, I'm gonna be 65 in August. I'm 64. You look great. Well, you really you. do you look, look great. Thank you, you. Both of you look beautiful. Yeah.
9: Thank you. Yeah. Well, he's Irish. Irish people
18: never. Irish age. people are always handsome. Yeah. And, beautiful. Yeah. and drunk. He's always <laughs> and, drunk, and look at nice his hair is. <laughs> he's got go. beautiful hair. Big Ranger fan. You like the Rangers? I love
9: the Rangers. Are you a big sports fan between New York and Los
18: Angeles? <laughs> well, man, I did Miracle on Ice. Yeah, you look great. right. Oh, I talked about that earlier. That's right. Come on, let me stand up. Too. Come, on, uh, come, on. Uh, great, come man. on, come on. That, that wrestler, Michael, you were great tonight. Come on, come on. That was a great Kurt Russell. you guys were great. Mike said to me, "Hey, uh, did you get any uh, have you seen any rustlers?" I said, "Why?" He goes, "Where you cab?" <laughs> I said, oh, "Up yours, up yours, Mike." <laughs> well, Mike, you
9: know, I, mean, I still speak to Mike, as you know, on this show yeah. every year. You talk year. to Mike Arizona, Arizona. every year on the anniversary. Every year on oh, the nice anniversary of the win. What yes. a nice yeah. man! Yes,
18: that was a great film too. You were in. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, and I got to work with the great Carl Malden. Oh, Carl Malden was in that Streets of San Francisco. Yeah, what a great, a great show! It was it was going and up. Streetcar Named Desire. Yes, yes. Come on, wow. man! I mean, so, so before we wrap this up with your movie coming up on Saturday night. How to Murder Your Husband, right. starring Sybil Shepherd and myself, <laughs> and you could also see it on MyLifetime.com uh, if sounds, you like streaming. I'm going to watch it. I promise, and I'm sure it's going to be great. In but... between the porn,
9: watch my movie. <laughs> well, and football, porn and football. And it's football. a big weekend. Six games coming up. And the Giants play on Sunday. Yeah, go yes, Giants. Go Giants against go Giants. Minnesota. But is there one? I know you mentioned Sybil Shepherd, and for me, I would also be Starstruck. Yeah. But is there one actor or actress you, you 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 arrived on the set and you were like, "Come on,
18: come Gregory on." Peck. Oh wow! Yeah, what a what a mountain of a man! Yeah, good looking, smart as hell, and so gracious and wonderful. He was actually a page at Radio City, uh, and he was so sweet to me when I was 18 years old. He uh, he ate dinner with me all the time with him and his wife. Took me and when I moved to California, he invited me over to his house, his mansion. He had horses. He had the whole thing. Oh my God! And his favorite thing, which became my favorite sandwich, was he would make me. Toasted, because he loved the Jews, toasted rye bread, lettuce and tomato, tuna fish, cut in half. Love it. One side cut in quarters. And we would have tuna fish sandwiches on toasted rye bread all the time. I love it. I
9: love Gregory Peck. 60 seconds to go. Getting back to our fathers. You meeting Gregory Peck. For 20 years, after every show I did between New York and Miami, at a lot of big time radio stations, a lot. The show would end. I swear to you, Steve, it would take less than 60 seconds for me to get a text that read, great show. I love you. And I would say, Dad, you send this every day. Today wasn't all that great. You're clearly biased. You just love me. And he said, son, I love you, but you're really great. And the first show I did in July of 2020, and I didn't get that text, I was lost. I'm sure your dad... Must have called you every, every day, every movie, every morning, every, right? every
18: 630 every morning.
9: Yeah. And you don't get that call or that text. And then what do you do?
18: Um, well, you know, I look at pictures of him. Yeah. I have his voicemails and I listen to his voice. I have that too.
9: Singing happy birthday to me. I played every oh. year on my birthday, April 19th. Right.
18: And I, uh, I listen to him in my mind and I deal with the grief he comes every morning about three in the morning. Big, tall, dark guy, and he and he grabs me and he holds me tight. And I I I I I, I try to get over it. And uh every morning I wake up, I go, I love you, Dad. Oh. And I hear him say, I love you too, son. Mm. And I do it all day. And I love that your dad. You see, you had a magical dad mm. like I have, and you have yes. a magical dad. Yes. And Harvey will always be with you. He's yes. Stanley and Harvey are standing right here, <laughs> and they're quelling, <laughs> oh, and they're good, so happy for us. Did your father drink scotch like mine? Maybe they're drinking right now My together. father was a beer guy. Okay. He, loved, he loved to have a cold beer, oh, nice. and that was his favorite thing. And a Little Maker's Mark.
9: Oh, that's a mm-hmm. great drink. Hey, yeah. listen, it is... Uh, I've never met you before, but uh, you've been on the show on the phone many years ago. You wouldn't remember.
18: No, I, I, I do remember. You do remember? But yeah, you were y- yeah, out and... of line.
9: Yes. You were out of line. Very good. I was. He's right. He remembers. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> uh, it was great to see you. Congratulations thank you, thank you, on your new movie on Saturday. Wish you the best of luck. You and Sybil Shepherd, How to Murder Your Husband, on the Lifetime Network and My Lifetime. And please come back again very, very soon. You actually... This was cathartic for me today. I feel better. It's Thank really, you. Yeah. Thank you.
18: And, you know, I visit my dad when I'm in Arizona every day. And, it, you know, I thought it would hurt me to see him in the grave. But I feel better being close to him. Sure. So I want to wish you and your family good health and, and success.
9: You too. That's the great Steve Gutenberg folks. We'll take a short break. Hour three of the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City. Sitting friends in the morning coming your way right after this.
2: Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. Friends. 77 WABC.
9: Oh, they love the Steve Gutenberg interview, Leslie Slender, Joseph Aboud, a bunch of people texting me. It was really moving and very, very good. This is uh, the E Street Band. I'm going to go see Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, a private party, then his show February 7th at the Hard Rock in Fort Lauderdale. Be on a um, personal plane, the whole thing very exciting. But Clarence Clemens, of course, the great saxophone player of the E Street Band today. Clarence Clemens would have been 69, but he died, of course, a couple years ago. The great Clarence Clemens. So happy birthday to Clarence. 8-10 on your Wednesday morning. Bob Unanwe is the CEO of Goya Foods. Many years ago down in Boca Raton, me and my beautiful wife Danielle got involved with a place called A Place for Hope. And what they do is they've got this huge campus in Boca Raton, and they rescue girls— who were thrown into the human-slash-sex-trafficking business, and they clean them up and give them a place to live and eat and work on fixing their issues, their psychological issues. And that was the charity that me and Danielle spent many, many years invested in in South Florida. So when I found out that Goya Foods is all about human trafficking, I was really excited to take part in this conversation with Bob and two lovely people that I've got um, in studio right now that I met just a moments ago. Tanya's got a daughter named Ava, too. Is that right? <laughs>
15: that is absolutely right.
9: All right. And uh, your name, of course, is, your last name is on here. I apologize. No, no uh, worries.
15: Tanya Ramos Puig.
9: And uh, you're Rafael Toro. Good morning, Raphael. Exactly. Good morning. Now, what is your job with, uh, with
17: um, uh, Goya? I am the director of public relations for
9: Goya. Oh, that, okay. And you, Tanya?
15: I am the CEO of the Monique Burr Foundation for Children.
9: Okay, so let's get Bob on the phone and learn more about what you're talking about exactly, Tanya. Bob, Sid back in the studio. Always good having you on. Good morning, my friend.
1: Sid, you're you're great and and the work that you and your wife are doing are incredible. And you know, we have a coalition of of people like Monique Burr that we've joined forces with because it's a $250 billion business. It's one of the biggest industries in in, in the world along with drugs and arms trading and selling and so it's so big but the work of the heart of organizations like you just mentioned and, and uh the coalition that we've gathered together is so important. It is. In
9: fact uh, there's a very popular I guess he's a uh a a he's a UFC guy, this guy Andrew Tate. He's a kickboxer, my son knows who he is. Like he, he was gonna fight Uh, One of those Paul brothers, Logan Paul or Jake Paul or something. All the kids know who he is. And he was just arrested a couple days ago overseas as part of some human trafficking scandal. Is that right, Andrew Tate? Phil, what do you got on me for that? Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Okay, great. Great job. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my step is the best. Huh, guys, aren't you impressed? Uh, do you know about that story, Tanya, about this I guy actually have t- not
15: read it yet. Okay.
9: Well, he's, a, he's a, like the kids know who he is. He's a big deal. You know, UFC, kickboxing, Logan Paul, all that. Now, the, the, the foundation you're talking about is what exactly? Named after who?
15: Sure. So the Monique Burr Foundation um, was created in honor of Monique Burr, who was a advocate for child protection. Uh, The Monique Foundation has been around for 25 years, and our mission is really simple, Sid, is to keep children safe. Did she go
9: through it, or she just was? uh... Um, No,
15: she just was, you know, as a mother, really big on protecting children and had um, served on a number of boards and was incredibly philanthropic. So 25 years um, later, here we are serving 9 million children around the globe. Wow. Two million children thus, just this year, and again, our mission is very simple. We keep children safe. And the way we do that is we remove obstacles to prevention education because we recognize that prevention education is key to preventing several types of abuses. We have curriculum that's innovative from pre-K all the way to 12th grade and it addresses human trafficking, social-emotional learning, mental health, cyberbullying, digital dangers, and all four types mm. of victimizations and abuses. My
9: right, boy. You know, my daughter's in college now. Uh, she's a little older, obviously. She's uh, 18 years old, Raphael. But, you know, I watch these horrible movies. I watch the ID channel. I watch the Lifetime channel. And she's going to Ibiza. She's going to Spain for, uh, for spring break. But her two girlfriends, who, by the way, one is more gorgeous than the other. My daughter is a knockout. And I'm scared to of death. Course. I mean, forgetting about the little girl. Uh, uh, what is her name again? She was uh, taken from the hotel many years ago. She was a little, a little blonde girl, a oh, baby. Oh, yes, You know what I'm that. talking about. Yes. They, they never found her. They never found her. With an M. It was with an M. M- Madeline, Madeline. Madeline. Uh, but it's not as if teenage girls don't go through the same thing. They could be on a vacation somewhere. and then thrown in a van. The next thing you know, I never see them again. I mean, I know you, you, you hear about these things all the time, right, Robbie? Yes,
17: yeah. yeah, yeah, but... But unfortunately, the, 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 the biggest consumers of human trafficking are right here in the United States. Is that right? Yeah. It is, And uh, that's why we created Goya Cares, because we want to focus on awareness and prevention. That's what we think is important. People think that this happens outside the country and people getting kidnapped. And but this happens right here as well.
9: I think Florida and Texas are the two most uh, dangerous states when it comes yeah. to this. Is that right? Florida,
15: yeah. Texas, California. All
9: three of those. Yeah. 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 So, Bob, that's, um, thank you for that, Raphael and, and uh, Tanya. That's uh, a bit alarming for folks here. In, I mean, New York and New Jersey, not necessarily as big in numbers as these other states. but Well,
15: there so, are hubs. I mean, even there in are like, hubs. New Jersey, the yes. Um, Ironbound is a big hub for, no for human trafficking as well.
9: That's pretty scary, Bob. Hey, Bob is still with me. Are you still there, Bob?
1: Yeah, yes, sir. Sorry. I uh, Yes, yeah, Sid. You know, uh, it's all about, I believe, the family. You know, we're in Texas. Uh, we have a facility there in Brookshire. Seventy percent of the kids have no father present. The, the breakdown of the family when... The steps of trafficking are grooming or befriending, intoxication, isolation, alienation, desensitizing and capitalizing. Of course, at the end of the day it's all about capitalizing, making a profit. But one of the important steps is isolating and alienating you, the the victim from the family so the abuser becomes the family. It's like the Stockholm syndrome. You like are part of you have no way out. So your family becomes the abuser. And and we need to—this is why we started Goya Cares, is because we have to send a message out that you are cared for, you are loved. Every child in this world, every one of us, was chosen by God with a purpose. And we need to uh, send a message that they are cared for and loved.
9: You know, you're right about the becoming the family. I remember the, the story a couple of years ago about the little girl who was kidnapped when she was a baby— and they found her in like a sleeping tent right there in the wide open outside in California. And she was hesitant to go home because she, this guy became, and he was raping her every day. He became her father. And that brings up a good point. I've got a 14-year-old son. I'm scared to death for him, too. I remember when Eton Pates disappeared here in New York City. Do,
15: oh man, right? You
9: remember that. that? I mean, it's not as if it's just little girls, uh, Raphael. You know, it's little boys as well.
17: Yes, yes. It's, it's both boys and girls. And, and, and we just want to create awareness and prevention. We want to make people aware that this situation exists, and we want to do things to prevent it. We want to create red flags so that people know that this isn't what they can do about it. You know, we printed materials that have been distributed throughout the city, the state, and the country. We created GoyaCares.com, which has information on what you can do when you see these red flags. You know, we've created information on human trafficking. We produce educational videos that outline what to do when young people get trapped in these situations. We funded organizations nationally, like Covenant House, that does exactly yes. what the organization yes. does, yes. which helps these young people when they're, yep. when they're trying to rehabilitate themselves. We've also done things internationally. We fund a home in, uh, in Costa Rica, which takes teenage girls that have been the victim of, of child trafficking, yeah. and, they, and they help them get back into society. The yeah, same thing
9: uh, the Place of Hope does down in Boca that right. I talked about. That's same right. exact idea. Give me, Tanya, if you would, one or two things that folks can do. I mean, look, at the end of the day, unfortunately, if there's somebody out there and they want to do something evil, nine times out of ten, despite your best precautions, they get it done. But what are one or two things people can do to at least minimize the chance that something as tragic as this would happen?
15: I I would say it's education, right? Um, Just to kind of piggyback off of what you said earlier, the fear of, of a parent having their child succumb to this. I mean, one in four children will experience some type of abuse or traumatic event in their youth. Is that
9: right? 25%. That's way too high. And
15: then one out of 10 will be sexually abused before they reach their 18th birthday, aye, aye, aye. female or male, Jeez. which brings us to why we're here today, because prevention education is key. And Goya Cares recognized that, hence why they had part- they're partnering with the Monique Burr Foundation, because what we want to do is remove obstacles to prevention education. We realize that if we're educating children, so to Rafael's point a moment ago, where they can identify the red flag yeah. and have the language to articulate If they're in danger or they've experienced some type of abuse and then the adults in their life are empowered and educated to recognize it as well, we keep more children safe. And while I applaud organizations that are working with survivors, I want to get in front of that. We want to get in front of that. Before that happens. We want to prevent it from happening altogether. Where
9: can people find out more about that? Monica uh, Burr Foundation. Well, the
15: Monique Burr Foundation, we're online. If you go right to our website, um, we're also on Instagram. You can follow us. Um, You can also reach out to me directly. As a result of the partnership we now have with Goya Cares, what I do want to share is that we are incredibly humbled and honored to be able to provide more access to this curriculum because they will be underwriting our curriculum in a number of states. We've already received um, buy-in from David Banks, the Chancellor of New York. Sure, sure. We have um, connected with Jersey City, Newark. We're going to be working in California, in Texas, and so we're really looking to ensure that we can identify under-resourced communities, yes. and provide this type of education. I'm
9: going get you with my wife, uh, the charity that we work with. Which we started for my son. Uh, yes, he's I read got, about that. You read about that. Oh, I great. would love to God, connect I with her. I love you, Tanya. That's great. We connected with with Danielle. And, okay. Hey, Bob, this is uh, above and beyond the fact that Goya is such a tremendous company and everything you make is great. And uh, most of the time, we're having fun discussions about great Latinos and great Hispanics. And you got your guy coming in here, Francisco, making me <laughs> great food once a year. <laughs> uh, this is... This is a very serious subject, and and it it, it brings a lot of warmth to my heart, Bob, that a guy like you, so successful in business, cares because this is a real issue in this country and around the world, and it needs to stop
1: now. Yes, you know, the Cuban poet Jose Marti said, you know, there are those who are born to love and to build, others to hate and destroy. If you take human trafficking, uh, arms sale, drugs— It's the biggest industries on the planet, and it's the most destructive. And we got to really move away from the destruction and move toward loving and building.
9: Agreed. Wondergirls.com, Yvette tells me. Wondergirls.com, empowering and educating girls in New Jersey schools. Thank you for that, Yvette. I got to tell you, all three of you, Bob, Tanya, and Raphael, God bless you. This is uh, you. God's work you're doing as a father of two kids. I can't thank you enough. You're very lovely people, by the way. Very thank good-looking you. people, too. Boy, thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> we'll take uh, it.
3: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm being honest.
9: So thank you. And, Bob, you know I love your pal out there in Texas. And uh, keep calling and keep coming on. You're a great Great man, thank you.
1: Uh, love you too, Sid. If I could just tell you real quickly, you know, this we have a situation in our company with a, a gal that went off to college. The, the the kids have to be very careful with their drinks. Never leave yes. it from your sight. Have a lid on it because these kids can get uh, you know drugged and and then it's uh, it's very bad. So. Just be careful. God bless your daughter, and, and we love well, you Well, Bob, guys. you know,
9: you, it's funny you say that because Ava doesn't drink, and my daughter said, Dad, Dad, stop yelling at me. I only drink Diet cokes." I go, Ava, they can put a roofie in your Diet Coke, too. Don't order yeah. any drinks inside the bar. Right, Tanya?
15: Absolutely. And I will say that if you go to the Monique Burr Foundation website as well, there are a number of tips for parents whose kids are traveling in camps, everything that you would need to know to protect your kids. And then awesome. one last thing I'd love to say, because today is Human Trafficking Awareness Day, and this is the entire month of human trafficking awareness. I urge your listeners to find a way to support at some level. There is so much work to do, and there's Agreed. so much power in the collective.
9: I agree. Uh, from you, Rafael, on the way out, any way anyway, people can find out more about some of the things the company is doing on the PR side? Well,
17: definitely go to go, <clears throat> go And And my message to parents is... Watch what your kids are looking at social media. Yeah, Really, really important. I agree with you. You know, yeah. got to do that.
9: That's why me and my wife are like, we're like uh, spies. We look at everything. It's you just, have uh, to. It's annoying. I'd be, if I was a kid, I'd be furious and I'd hate my parents, which I did for a little while. No, Everybody but think does. about
15: it. When we were young, what did my mother have to do? She looked... Through my my book bag, she looked through papers. Yeah. Just, now you have to monitor social media, yes. cell phones. Much it's more difficult, incredibly hard yeah, to be a is. parent in this moment. Yes,
9: Bob, Tanya, Rafael, I love all three of you. Thank you so much. You're all great. Thank you so much, and you too, Eva. I love you too, Yvette Rodriguez. <laughs> we love you back better. here at WABC. We'll take a short break. Lydia Reports is coming up next. This
2: is Lydia Reports on seventy-seven WABC. Here's Lydia Serrano.
4: You got cut off by the uh, announcements in there, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, um, so Joyless Reed, she once again is exposing herself for the racist that she is. I mean, they got rid of Tiffany Cross at MSNBC. Then you got Joyless Reed. She went after... <laughs> Uh, Byron Donalds, Congressman Byron Donalds. You know, he's an African-American young guy, up and coming. He served one term in Congress, but he is lighting everything on fire. Very, uh, He's just brilliant guy. And she brought him on her show, and she actually had the nerve to say to him, well, maybe they only nominated you as speaker because you're black. This is what she said right to his face. Take a listen to what she said. It definitely looked like they were looking for a response to Hakeem Jeffries in you uh no
12: that was not because you've
6: literally been there for one term there are four african-american members in the house caucus the republican caucus there are 56 members in the democratic caucus so just it's more diverse there are more african-american members just you can cut her off you can cut her off i mean who cares anyway
9: yeah i mean she she stopped she she, she stopped short of calling him an uncle tom but correct correct but look uh, he is out there. He is the one that I played more than anybody else the last yes. two days about Joe Biden hoarding these classified documents. They put my friend Donald Trump, will be on the show next week, through absolute hell, raided his house with SWAT teams, FBI raids, went into his wife's underwear drawer. This bastard's had this stuff for six years, and it turns out to be like a Dana Tyler two-minute report on CBS. And Byron Donald says, hey, what's going on here? That doesn't make him black. That makes him a great American.
4: Uh, but how does she get away with this stuff? Could you imagine if the shoe was on the other foot? And then she went on to say to him, "Well, you guys removed Ilhan Omar from her foreign uh, foreign relations committee, this and that." And he's like, "Yeah, because she's a raging anti semite." Right. And then she goes, "Well, well, tell me what incidents have she said that were anti semitic?" And and I mean, my God, the list is so long of some of the crazy things that woman has said. I mean, she's literally supported Hamas. She supported Hamas, and, and
9: she said, and I quote about 9-11, some people did some things. Really? Some
4: people did something.
9: Yeah. 3,000 Americans died just going to work that day. Some people did it. some things. Really?
4: I know. I, and she supported Hamas. She's criticized any politician that supported Israel. She said no, no congressperson should support uh, a foreign government just because they said they supported israel she i mean democrats have come out against her and she literally had the goal to say to him well give me one incident where she's been anti-semitic so not only is this woman she's clearly a racist she's anti-semitic i think and and no she is yeah, why would she yeah. why would very, she support she, she, ilhan omar why would right. she say she's not anti-semitic
9: she's very pro-palestinian uh omar and uh, very anti-Israeli. We know that. Look, look, it is what it is. I guess Phil Griffin hired her. Maybe not. Maybe he's gone. I don't know who runs the show at MSNBC anymore. I don't even know. Uh, I don't care. Uh, but that you know, Don Lemon is on CNN every morning. He says things that are racially, at least racially biased. Still, almost every morning, she's on MSNBC. So these um, these networks have no issue putting on black people who are racist. And, of course, one of the biggest misconceptions and lies in our country is black people can't be racist. That's ridiculous. The most racist people I know are black people.
4: Quick question. Michael Kay, I've read that in the post. Yeah. What's your reaction where he said, one phone call, one phone call, and I'll get you fired because that guy made a comment about his sliding well, read.
9: I, I mean, I look, uh, the guy that does the morning show there was a former goaltender for the Islanders and uh, actually played a celebrity softball game for Don Lagreco, whose friend died from cancer years ago in New Jersey. So I met this guy. His name is Rick Pietro. And he's the biggest douchebag you'll ever meet. Great-looking guy, great athlete, played in the NHL. But as a radio nobody. I mean, if you're doing uh, mornings in ESPN New York, you're a nobody. Michael Kay, to his credit, is the voice of the New York Yankees on the Yes Network. He's got an afternoon show that contends with Mike Brancesa, Craig Carton, Evan Roberts. He's a legitimate radio guy. Rick DiPietro is a nobody. And DiPietro makes fun of Kay all the time. Kay's talking about retiring. So good for Michael Kay. I'd root for him over mm-hmm. DiPietro and those guys every day of the week.
4: You don't think it was a little obnoxious for him to say, one phone call, just one phone uh, listen, call, let me and make, I'll uh, get you fired?
9: Let me make it very clear. Uh, it's the same thing with me here. One phone call, I'll get anybody fired. So.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be sitting alongside the boss at 5 o'clock t- tonight, John Katzmatidis. We'll talk about... Byron Donalds. We'll talk about the Biden documents. We'll talk about this FAA. I have to. You have to wonder. Was it hacked? They're saying it wasn't. Well, that's what I've been saying. The entire. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
9: as soon as it happened, I had John Castamitidis on live on this show 7 a.m. this morning, and I said, John, Russia, China, which one? And he said to me, Sid, you just never know. And he's right.
4: You just don't know. So we'll talk about that and so much more. Cats Matitis, John. Cats Matitis, Cats at Night, 5 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. This is
2: Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
9: This is actually Sean Penn's brother, Michael Penn. No myth, I love this song. And, Lewis, you're telling me he's married to another pretty famous singer.
10: Amy Mance.
9: From, um... Till Tuesday. Voices Carry, one Ugh, of my favorite songs ever. dreadful song. <laughs> you're going to play it. Now you're going to have to play it. Now, because you made that really despicable comment about one of my favorite songs ever, now you're going to have to play it. What is this? What, 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 is, what are you, Curtis? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about Curtis, I just got the nastiest text. A message from a person who said, don't put him back on. Don't do it. He's very nasty every day. It's not funny. It's not shtick. Don't put him back on. Who's, who's it from? I don't know. I don't know the lady's name. Oh. Okay. On, my, on my Instagram. Talking about Curtis, as a race I want to talk to my next guest about. He happens to be one of my favorite people ever. I always say the two best politicians in the history of New York. No disrespect to Ed Koch. Rudy Giuliani and Congressman Peter King. King is on this show every Wednesday for four decades, a great statesman out in Long Island, Homeland Security, he did it all, and now he's a really close friend of my family. Here he is, the great Peter King. Good morning, Peter. How are
19: you? Hey, Sid. I'm doing fine. How are you doing?
9: I'm doing great. This, um, <laughs> Curtis, you know, is uh, one of his ex-wives, he's got about 10 of those, is uh, this Melinda Katz, who's a horrible right. DA, I must say, a horrible DA in the borough of Queens, and uh, there's a guy running against her that I think I'm going to endorse. I don't know. What do you know, anything about this uh, about this DA race in uh, in Queens?
19: Actually, uh, George Grasso is going to be running in the Democratic primary against Melinda Katz. Uh, I was actually at an event of George the other night in Manhattan. He's uh, a cop who worked his way all the way up to the top, every rank up to uh, first deputy commissioner under Ray Kelly during, you know, really the glory years of the NYPD. He was there for the dark years, and then years when they took the city back, and for the last, I guess, 10 years or so, he's been a, a judge. He was the criminal court, and he ended up becoming the administrative judge for all the criminal courts in the Supreme Court in, in Queens County. And he's running for DA. Listen, I, I've known Melinda Katz over the years. I have no problem with her personally. Uh, you know, both of us, I think, probably think Curtis is a little nuts, but uh, <laughs> now we don't agree on too much other things. No, but seriously, uh, this is not against Melinda Katz per se. It's important to have a DA, though. We have to send a signal. We have to get things done on bail reform and standing with the cops. It's not enough just to go after the uh, crimes that everyone agrees we should go after, like trafficking and things like that, which are important. But to really get out there and let the cops do their job, you need a tough DA. And George Grasso is the guy uh, at the uh, event the other night. There were people like the former First Deputy Commissioner Joe Dunn, who was there on 9-11. Uh, Tony Carbonetti. I can go to the list of people who are there. And these are solid people who want to bring the city back. I grew up in Queens. grew up in Sunnyside, Queens. My father was a cop. I lived the 108th precinct, later the 105. So to me, it's important that we bring New York back. Let's start in Queens. And uh, so I'm supporting George Grasso. It's going to be tough. He's going to be you know, running against the machine. Uh, you saw what happened to your friend Tom Sullivan when he ran yeah. against the machine. But George Grasso is going to do it. So anyway, that's one. Uh, So I I would urge everyone to really look at the George Grasso campaign. He's a top-shelf candidate. He's a guy with career law enforcement. And, you are talking about candidates, you had uh, uh, Ida Vanakoff on the other day. What a rising star she is in the uh, the, uh, New York City, in Democratic areas where she has won She's the first Republican to hold out state in generations.
9: No, she is uh she's the goods on my old uh, stomping grounds where I grew up on East Twenty Second and Quentin Road. She's got all of it the Midwood section, Sheepshead Bay, Coney Island, Gravesend. It's all in a Vernikov and yeah, she uh she sent me a text because I'm endorsing the kid Mike Ragusa. And she's like, Listen, Sid, I like Mike and you know, and Ari Kagan is now running on the Republican as well, but there's a lot of folks that are still going to run a lot of Republicans. So she just wanted to slow me down. But I'm like, you you're a politician. You care about that. My friends are Republican. He's a friend. That's all I need. But she was she was uh, trying to explain to me, wait till the whole field is set, then make your decision, which I can understand. But that's her job to do, not mine.
19: <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, I had breakfast with, uh, you know, last week down in uh, Sheepshed Bay. And she was there with a good friend. as Anna Dalfos, who was also considering running. back. I understand she may even be announcing a campaign the next few days for the same seat that your friend Mike Ragusa was running and for. And I was so,
9: I was told, we'll see, by right? the way, some of the people in the know told me days ago that Ina is already in the bag for Anna. So if you had breakfast with Ina and Anna a couple of days ago, maybe they're right. I don't know. I don't know.
19: Yeah, we were talking about a lot. Listen, I, I, I first met Anna in the summer of... 2020 when cops were being assailed and attacked and defunded and she's from Brooklyn, but she organized a rally at Eisenhower Park back to blue in, uh, I guess, July of uh, 2020. They had to stop the traffic. There was so much, tra- uh, so many people showed up. What a wow. what a tremendous rally. And then I went and visited a number of, uh, station houses around the city you know, Queens and Brooklyn, where she was bringing food and donuts and everything to the cops, you know, to show support. And, uh, Anyway, she's she's been out there. She's a teacher. So if if she runs and looks like she's going to be announcing in the next few days, I, I think she'll be a strong candidate. But listen, I'm out here in Nassau County, but I just like to encourage good people to run. I've been telling Anna for the last you know, two years she should try and find a place to run. Uh, 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 and as far as Eva Vanekov, which she showed it can be done. Yep. And in last year's elections, you know they took three assembly seats in Brooklyn, and that's like almost unheard of in recent years. So I think there was a, a not a silent majority, but there's like a latent force out there of conservative, moderate Democrats, uh, newly arrived immigrants who love this country and uh, oppose crime as much as anyone. I think too many people, I think Democrats take immigrants for granted. Too many Republicans think they can't get the immigrant vote. Well, right now we saw what uh, what uh, Ina did in South Brooklyn, winning her seat and then winning three assembly seats. It can't be done. So, uh, listen, you know, good luck in the. Was it District 47 down yeah. there in the city yep. council? Yep. Uh, I, I think, again, my my perspective out here, and I don't want to be including in Brooklyn, I think Anna would be a great candidate and a great Arkansas, no matter what she ran for. And she's a tough woman. Don't get in no way, okay? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, not me. Any of your, any of your nonsense, she, she'll be coming after you in a second. Uh, no, so I,
9: I'm going to heed your warning. People are going to put you on hold. Lots more to talk to you about, including MSNBC just now making the case. Don't compare the Joe Biden case to Donald Trump. Joe Biden had less than 12 classified files. Donald Trump had 160. Don't compare. Are you nuts? Of course I'm gonna compare. Peter King, will you compare? More with Peter King here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. But right into this. Oh, come on, Pink Floyd. What a great song. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. We need condoms. Is that what they say?
10: Yeah, they say that in yeah. three versions. Two, they say <laughs> yeah. education.
9: All right. Peter King is uh, back with us. You heard me talking about this MSNBC. They're making an argument moments ago that Donald Trump had over 160 documents and Biden has less than 12. And, trying to make it as if Biden did nothing wrong. And, in fact, it was like a two-second story locally with Dana Tyler on CBS. Poor Trump, who's going to join me on this show next week, by the way. They got the FBI coming, the SWAT team. They're breaking into his wife's underwear drawer. I mean, come on. They think we're stupid. It's the same exact thing. In fact, at least Trump, Peter King, can declassify that information.
14: Joe Biden couldn't even do that.
19: Okay. uh, First of all, uh, you know, that is classic MSNBC and you can say which is worse, one or the other. Fact is, yeah, the idea is that they had documents they shouldn't have had. And Joe Biden was so self-righteous when he was on sixty Minutes, he couldn't understand how anyone could do this. Listen, if this happened a year or so ago, and Biden said, "Oh, geez, I wasn't aware, I didn't know," and all that—that's one thing. But after uh, Donald Trump, uh, after people went after him, and then Biden went on television, not even beginning to comprehend how any person could do this. And Donald Trump the most evil guy in the world. Shows the hypocrisy of Joe Biden, also the hypocrisy of MSNBC. And uh, I mean, listen, Donald Trump doesn't make it easy by basically saying, screw you and all these people. But in in essence, it's, it's the same thing. He had documents he probably shouldn't have had. Biden had documents he shouldn't have had. And for MSNBC to say that it's all that it's these are totally different, that's classic MSNBC.
9: By the way, every president has that. Barack Obama has, I don't know how many documents still to this day, guaranteed they're classified. Boxes and boxes is what I heard he's got in Chicago. So I believe every president does it. I just don't know why with Donald, well, why. They made a much bigger deal with Donald Trump than everybody else. So, you know, I criticize Donald Trump. He's coming on next week. He knows that when it's right. But in cases like this... They treat him differently than any other president. Absolute fact.
19: Now wait a minute. When you're when you're on with Donald Trump next no, week. he's on with me. You're going to make a bigger show of the fact of Bo Deedle and I stabbed him. Yes, in the back oh one hundred. Uh, that's how I'm going
9: to start. I'm going to be uh-huh. like uh, Donald. You have no idea. Your best friends in New York now they hate you. Peter <laughs> King, Bo Deedle
19: <laughs> You're See, going I to. Grew up in Queens at the same time. I as know. Donald Trump. I tell you.
9: You're going to find out on Friday how I was able to score Trump next week, and not just next week, but maybe on a semi-regular basis throughout his campaign, which is a huge score for this show. But you'll find
19: out... Because okay, so you're going to knock my segment off for Trump. Is that what you're saying? It's a possibility, yes. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Okay, you're going to make one phone call, and that'll be it, right? One phone call like
9: Michael K. It's either you or Curtis. I don't know. <laughs>
19: <laughs> hey, stick with Biden. Listen, all right, know, so long as Lou Rufino's there, we're in good
9: shape. He's always going to be here. Biden was in Mexico yesterday, Peter. By the way, you're going nowhere. You're brilliant, and I love you. Um, he was in Mexico yesterday talking about, uh, listen, the border's okay, and uh, he went to El Paso for three hours. They cleaned up the place. Actually, They actually swept by the border
19: where Joe Biden went. I mean, he
9: sounds like he's completely out of touch, no?
19: Yeah, well, he is. But, uh, I mean, this is, again, insulting people's intelligence. People know what chaos is at the border. They know how dangerous it is. They know that it's because of Joe Biden. He basically invited all these people in. Donald Trump had stopped it and was under control to the extent it could be. But Biden is responsible for this. And they get down there and you couldn't find an immigrant anywhere. I mean, it was was clean. It was like, uh, you know, someone's clean bathtub or something. No, this is uh, it's hypocrisy. It's insulting people's intelligence. And uh, he, if you he just once went level and say, "Listen, I, I, I misgauge how bad this is going to be," but now we have to, we have to do what we have to do. No, he's making. First of all, you may believe all along it wasn't there. Then he says it is serious. I'm going to go down there. And when he gets there, there's no one around. So no, it's an insult, and uh, it, again, it shows his contempt for the uh, American people.
9: really does. Hey, Peter, as always, a great, great appearance. Love you. Thank you so much for all you do There's Wednesdays. There's
19: trouble between me and Curtis. I think he's a great American. You starting me with trouble with Curtis and his ex-wife and everything else. I, I, I know. I, you cause so much trouble.
9: <laughs> I can't wait to find out what I could do next week to you to get you into trouble again. <laughs> I love You'll it, Peter. To the I will. You too. Best <laughs> to your family, too. Uh, that's uh, Peter King. I think Donald Trump still loves Peter King. Everybody loves Peter King. Seriously, if you don't like Peter King, I'm going to make a very bold statement right here. If you don't love Peter King, you don't love Jesus.
10: God bless that statement.
9: Thank you. There you go. Back into this.
13: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time,
9: Is this Amy? Is this a lead singer who's singing Voices Carry" right now, Lewis? Yes. She's married to Michael Penn, Sean Penn's brother at with least, the song No Myth. At
10: least the last I saw. Well,
9: how many much. years ago was that? Uh about
10: thirty-five. Yeah, no, that probably, <laughs> probably not just anymore. I would bet no. this though. I would tell you this. If you ever listen to her, her solo albums, yeah. she heard this. She would jump off the top Why of Why do you hate building. this song? It's a great song. No, it is It's totally... great. Why do you hate it so much? Because I... I you, you hear it's it. It's
9: overplayed? Yes. So that's... that means you hate Stairway to Heaven, too. Yes, I hate Stairway to Heaven. But it's a it.
10: great song. Okay, it's a great song. Um... Isn't
9: it different between being being overplayed and not are songs, good?
10: Are there songs that you hate? Yeah. Are there songs that you hate?
9: Um, Come on, uh, uh, Yes. Yes. I hate all of rap music. All of it.
10: All of it. All
9: of it? Yeah, all of it. LL Cool J? I, I like him. Okay, Beastie yeah. Boys? Fine, I like them, too. All right. I mean, hey, shut up. I'm right. begging you. I'll come back to you. One day, my wife said to me, I hate Tom Petty. And then she listed nine songs that she loved. Nine, I swear to God. <laughs> <You know.
10: laughs> I, I, outside of that.
9: Right, then I hate his God.
10: Can, I get, never, disappear.
9: And before I get to uh, Derek Maltz, I don't know, he's making his debut on this show. The number one show. I've been invited to a lunch this afternoon, Pete Morgan and Lou Rafino, But my dear friend Mike Sullivan, both of you guys know him very well. Here's the foursome. Mike Sullivan, Peter Castellano, who owns Western Beef. He's a great guy. I love Peter. Alex, who is, uh, by the way, building my house, him and Rich. And Joe Murray, the very famous defense attorney who lives by me in the Ponset. And they're all going to a uh, Don Pepe. And the guy loves me there, Mike, uh, Don Pepe. For a 1 o'clock afternoon lunch. But I promised Gabriel I would take him to the YMCA to play basketball. So I don't know if I could do both. So quickly, Lou, before I get to Maltz, that uh, four simple lunch at Don Peps. or will go home and make sure I go play ball with Gabe. Well, I could do, do both.
10: Then do both.
9: Do both. Uh, Pete? Both. You like Don Peps? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, Pepp, yeah, that's cool. You like that place too, Louis? Yeah. it's think Derek Maltz ever went there? Why don't you just bring Gabe there? Because he'll still be at school. He's coming home afterwards. What? Hey, uh, Derek Maltz, first of all, welcome uh, for the first time to *Sit and Friends in the Morning. I have to imagine, as a New York guy, you've been to Don Pepe's, yes? Uh, yes,
0: sir. Very good. You like it there? Yes, I do. I appreciate the invite today to talk about this important topic uh, that's
9: destroying our country. You're right. Uh, Derek is here to talk about the uh, the fentanyl that comes across the border. What a... Uh, God, what a resume. Derek, former special agent in charge of the United States Department of Justice Special Operations Division. Ten years. He was the chief of the New York Drug Enforcement Task Force. He was one of the guys that was uh, really important, integral, in taking down El Chapo Guzman. He has started all kinds of uh, different Uh, groups like the Narco Terrorism Operations Center. I mean, Derek, reading your resume took me 15 minutes. Congratulations.
0: Well, I appreciate it. It's in my DNA. My father was also in charge of that New York task force for about 11 years, the largest and oldest task force in America. So, New York's my home, and I appreciate you having me.
9: You got it. He uh, also has received the Presidential Rank Award, and Derek Maltz has been a spokesperson at Congress and the lead spokesperson for the DEA For over 10 years. So, as we talk about this crisis at the border, the president is in Mexico today. He was in El Paso a couple of days ago. He's going on and on about basically how it's not that bad. Then you got other folks saying, oh, hold on a second, Mr. Biden. The cartels are running that border and the cartels are killing Americans by the dozens. Derek Maltz, you know the answer. What's the real truth? Well, we have a clear and
0: present danger to our U.S. national security. Everyone in America is affected. This is not a border issue because what's happening at the border is going to impact every American. And I work closely, by the way, Sid, with the families around America who have lost their kids. Some of them as young as 12 years old because they buy these poisonous pills online. That's coming from these filthy, dirty labs in Mexico, killing our future generation. 107,000, you know, 9,000 a month of dying. And this president doesn't seem to even understand the magnitude of the threat. Look, I know we all make mistakes, but this past week he said more than 20,000 pounds of deadly fentanyl is enough to kill as many as 1,000 people. No, Mr. President, Mm -hmm. one gram of fentanyl, one gram could kill 500 people. So he's got it wrong. He doesn't know the fact. They don't know the magnitude. And by the way, we're also experiencing a historic level of lack of leadership north and south of the border.
9: That's not helping us either. Joe Esposito checks in, former chief of police. He says, uh, by the way, I worked with Derek's father in the DEA back in the 1980s, so Espo sends his regards. You know, uh, you talk about Joe Biden doesn't understand the power of fentanyl. And you know what I've been seeing, Derek, is every now and then a cop will make an arrest here in New York, and the, the bad guy will have fentanyl. And it'll be in the trunk of a car. The cop won't even touch the drug, won't even touch it. But just being close to it in nearby proximity, they still OD. That's incredible.
0: Well, Sid, first of all, the families against fentanyl have gone very aggressively to designate fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction. It's super powerful, super deadly, very addictive, and very cheap to make. So the cartels are making these damn pills for less than $0.15 cents a pill, wow. and then they sell them in America for $10, 20 $30 a pill. Oh, yeah, so yeah. here's the thing. Yeah, it's very dangerous to our first responders, and with, there's a lot of unknowns, too. And there's a lot of new chemicals that are being made in these Chinese labs, like isonitazine and etonitazine. And nitazine class is a very powerful synthetic opioid, more powerful than fentanyl, and that stuff's coming into America, too. So there's a lot of unknown synthetic drugs, but let's make something clear, say, because a lot of people don't notice. This started in China with the with the bombing of our country with synthetic drugs like K2, Spice, bath salts, and then they went into the fentanyl around 2012. We've known about this. we de- we declared an operation back in 2013. We briefed Eric Holder, and this thing has been just escalating over the years. So it's it's a disaster for the country. But these poor kids and these poor families, that's that's where I get my passion out. Yep. That's why I do what I do on a regular basis, spread the awareness. Our schools will teach critical race theory, but they won't tell American kids that they will die if they take these these illicit substances, because they're
9: all painted. Wow, that is unbelievable, and you're right about that. My son, for example, learns about, like you said, CRT and, and slavery and all this, you know, a new movie, Will Smith, Emancipation, and up already. How about some of this stuff? You're right, that's killing Americans by the dozens. I want to follow that trail again, Derek, because most people don't really realize how this works. So these drugs are made in China. How do the Mexican cartels then go about getting it? Are they in bed with the Chinese government? How does that whole thing work? Where the drugs go from China to the Mexican cartels to the streets of Staten Island?
0: So, great question. So, back around 2000 and, let's just say, 12, we started seeing our country being flooded on the Internet in mail packages coming directly from labs in China with this poisonous fentanyl. It was mixed with heroin we saw a lot of deaths. Then what happened was, over the years, China started sending pure fentanyl right to the Mexican cartels. So these Chinese lab operators that they've been working with forever on the methamphetamine production, they were sending the pure fentanyl to Mexico. Once Mexican cartels started realizing the profit, they started making their own. So the Chinese lab operators were sending all the precursor chemicals directly to the cartel lab operations. Well let me they ask you so the Chinese, Chinese, Chinese lab
9: or the Chinese lab operators, Derek, are sending the substances right to Mexico, does the Chinese government get anything out of that or is this just basically the well, lab operators acting on their own?
0: Well the Chinese government is Communist Party and they have an unrestricted warfare to destabilize America. And that's what this is about. And that's what no one's talking about. And by the way, see, here's another thing. You'll see a lot of breaking news today about all this stuff out of Congress on the Chinese. Well, guess what? The Chinese are doing all the money laundering in America for the cartels. The kids that are coming here on visas are picking up millions of dollars in the streets of New York, Chicago, L.A. And what they're doing is they're giving the cash to Chinese business owners who are buying property, real estate, and investments in America on cartel cash. And then they're getting the money back to the cartels very efficiently and effectively, and that's why business is booming. Because the chemicals are coming from China, the money laundering is being done with China, and our government's not even talking about it. Wow. It's a disgrace.
9: Now, I, I spent a lot of my time in my life, Derek, uh, living in South Florida, lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. In fact, I just came back here seven years ago, went to Miami to college in Coral Gables back in 1984. So Miami is really my second home. And I became very friendly with a guy named Billy Corbin. And Billy, Derek, made these movies called Cocaine Cowboys. They were great movies. And uh, yeah. they, they told a story about the lady, the grandmother who sold all the cocaine and all that stuff. And, and I remember almost every night there was a huge bust on the shores of Miami with all this cocaine coming across. So I know about the border. I know they're coming across the border with drugs. But, Derek, are we still experiencing the same type of drug trade in terms of numbers in Miami and other places that we saw when I was a kid?
0: Well, the cartels, the Mexican
9: cartels, have taken over
0: distribution of all drugs in America. The Colombians are not involved like they were back in the 80s. Gotcha. So, but just so just so it's clear, in New York City, in New York State, I should say, last year they seized over 70 million lethal doses of fentanyl, 1.9 million pills. And by the way, the DEA has put out a emergency notice that six out of 10 pills that they analyzed have a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. So just in New York State, and by the way, see there's mass poisonings in New York right now. Broome County, the first 11 days, early December, seven dead. Onondaga County, right before Christmas, 14 poison in a day and a half. And so it's just madness in America. We have people literally in Hamilton County, Ohio, in the first five days of October, 16 days. You don't even well, hear about
9: this on the news. Well, nope, you don't. So, Derek, yeah. in about 60 seconds, uh, you dedicated your whole life to this. You and your father. God bless both of you. And, you know, you still speak in front of Congress. And, and you're going to be a huge part of this show, I hope, moving forward. if uh, Joe Biden called you today and said, Derek, okay, I admit it. I admit it. I blew it. We're in trouble. I can't stop the drugs. What do I do? What would your advice be to the president of the United States right now?
0: All right, immediately you got to educate these kids, PSAs, education in the schools, middle schools, high schools, colleges. But we have to destroy the chemical production labs in Mexico immediately. That's where the poison's coming from. We have to get Mexico— well, hold, hold on, hold on. How do, you, how, do you, how do
9: you do that? You drop bombs? I mean, how do you go about doing that well, practically?
0: Ab- okay, so this sounds aggressive to everyone probably listening, but we've never in the history of this country had terrorists killing American kids and Americans like we have so we have this sense of urgency. So, yes, if the Mexican cartels get on board, we can help them with some of our technology. We can help them, you know, support operations. But if not, we use some state-of-the-art technology we destroy the labs. We don't go to war with Mexico. We love Mexico. And we, we're not talking about that. We're talking about destroying their capabilities to produce poisonous drugs that are killing our kids. we got to shut the, te- the chemicals coming in from, from China. We have to also seize all their assets. Shut down this Chinese money laundering, use the Treasury Department after we designate the cartels as terrorists, and we treat this like a national security emergency. Not another drug issue. We've never had this in the history of the country. So anyone that thinks this is just another drug issue, no, it's an attack on our country, and we have to treat it differently. And that's the difference, Sid.
9: What an amazing conversation. What a, what, a, what a first time on this show. Derek Maltz, I look forward to bringing you back many, many, many times. Thank you for your service to this country. You're a great American, and thank you for a great conversation on this show this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you, and I
0: appreciate- you calling me because this is an important topic, and I know you have a top show, so thank you. God bless. Happy New Year.
9: You too. Happy New Year to you. That's Derek Maltz, a true American hero right there, folks, and hopefully Derek will come back often because that guy, that guy's got balls of steel. That guy's a great American.
2: This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. friends, 77 W.A.B.C.
9: Well, the hits keep coming. What a show it's been today, my God. Going all the way back to um, John Katsimatidis. He was great at 7.05 this morning. Somebody on at 6.40. I keep forgetting. Frank Marano, Frank Marano was great. Thank you, Lewis. Then we had um, Steve Gutenberg, the actor. He was really good. I mean, really good. Very emotional moment between him and I. We both lost our fathers recently. Then you got uh, Lydia, Peter King, Derek Maltz, Cat 705. I didn't mention him. He's worth mentioning twice. And the great Pete Morgan, live in studio all morning. So it's been a great show. Now we go to the man that really ran one of the greatest races I've ever seen, nearly won the gubernatorial here in the state of New York. And what better guy to bring on the day after that disastrous state of the state that Kathy Hochul put on yesterday than Lee Zeldin, Great to have him back, my dear friend Lee. Lee, good morning, buddy. How are you?
20: You know, you're going through the the lineup, and and you're missing the, the most important ingredient. There was one constant all morning, and it was
9: Sid... Freaking Rose. <laughs> God, I love you. I really do. I I, I am so in love with you. I, I I mean, you're right there with Danielle. It's neck and neck. Thank you for saying that. Uh, listen, Lee, uh, y- you uh you did run a great campaign. Amazing. And I want to talk about Hochul. But last week you were on, and you we were here talking about Kevin McCarthy. And at the time, McCarthy had not yet gotten the votes yet hadn't won yet and i floated hey maybe you'll be the speaker of the house and you were like listen listen i'd like to see kevin get it blah 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 so he ends up getting it now they've changed the rules so moving forward now that Gates seems happy bobert seems happy how do you think the house operates it's going to be
20: hard. I mean, to be honest, you, know, you have a balance of power in D.C., so for either party to be able to get something done, it's impossible to do it without the other party. Uh, you can conduct oversight in the House of Representatives desperately needed, so we'll see those investigations getting launched quickly, substantively, subpoenas. The, the oversight function is going to be uh, a win that they are going to be able to get good stuff done. From the legislative standpoint, it's going to be hard. And inside the House Republican Conference, it's a very small majority, uh, and it's not going to be easy to be able to keep it together. Uh, They changed the motion to vacate to just one member. One member can uh, call to try to vacate the Speaker chair at any time. But this is the way I view it. If you're doing a great job as Speaker of the House, then you don't fear it because if somebody calls up a vote to try to vacate the chair if you're doing that good of a job then you're going to have a vote and you're going to actually come out of that even stronger than you were before so i would just say as uh you know as a, it's a challenge to every member of that house republican majority is just kick ass just do a great yeah. job yeah. you know work together try to get good things done the oversight's going to be a bit easier than the legislation but you know, stick together and uh, you know, fight. Do everything in your power to save America. That's what
1: this is about.
9: And I think you think they got it right. I mean, I know Jim Jordan is a great guy. They mentioned him. They brought up Byron Donalds. They brought up uh, heck. Even Gates brought up Trump. He'll be on this show, by the way, next week. But I think you think they got it right with McCarthy. Yes.
20: Hey, that's up to uh, that's up to Kevin. Uh, you know, going forward for the next couple of years, it's not going to be easy. But but the way that this was going down, you had. 200 people who were in the conference who were strongly behind Kevin. You had 20 who who weren't. Uh, for some of them, they really wanted to get you know somebody, anybody else. For others, it wasn't personal to Kevin. They just wanted to not just challenge the status quo but to change the status quo. And they secured all sorts of different rules, changes, and different votes that are going to be coming up uh, now on legislation like term limits and more. Yeah so you know, as far, Kevin Kevin has his shot as speaker of the house he is the speaker of the house uh and it's it's a time to truly shine uh and you know iron sharpens iron maybe what happened last week makes him an even better speaker than if he just got it on uh round 1 I'll say for one thing for sure I believe that the house is going to be stronger because of the changes that were secured over the course of last week I hope Kevin does an absolutely amazing job, and it's not because you know of any personal feelings towards Kevin. It's because of personal feelings towards our country.
9: This is uh, the great Congressman Lee Zeldin, who should be governor today. He ran an amazing race, mathematically had no chance of winning, yet almost won, which is a testament to the campaign that Lee Zeldin had and the way he ran that race with class and dignity. But Kathy Hochul, the Wicked Witch, she did win Yesterday was her state of the state. I had John Katzmatidis on earlier. He said he was very disappointed she didn't spend more time on bail reform. In fact, everybody I have spoken to said they were disappointed she didn't spend more time on bail reform. I imagine Lee Zeldin feels the same way.
20: Oh, absolutely. You know, she's trying to get away with just simply saying rhetorically, uh, we need to look at improvements. And then hopefully all the people who are just willing to hold her water— who want to see her you know, be successful even if she doesn't actually accomplish anything, that they would just say, oh, look, she's acknowledging that we need to make changes to bail reform. Now, if there's no changes made to bail reform, it's everybody else's fault, but she tried. No. <laughs> What I would do is I would stand there yesterday and say I am declaring a state of emergency here, here in the state of New York, and we on crime, and we are going to suspend Castle's bail and the halt act, and less is more, and raise the age and discovery law changes. We are going to unapologetically back our men and women in law enforcement. We need to give judges discretion to weigh dangerousness when setting bail. Our priority is going to be law-abiding New Yorkers, not the criminals. We are taking back our streets. We are taking back our subways. Enough is enough the people of New York have an Albany that has their back, again, the law-abiding New Yorkers, that is. Now, instead of doing that, because, you know, Sid Rosenberg knows what to say, Lee Zeldin knows what to say, if you actually want to lead and and, and make this city and this state safer, but instead, she says that we need to look at any possible improvements next topic. That doesn't work.
9: (laughs) That's what she did, you're right. Possible improvements next topic, and you know, I mean, she she, she talked uh, very little about uh, even corruption, something that you brought up. I, I did actually play a whole bunch of uh, your cuts because you did that uh, little speech. I guess you're outside your house. You're all dressed up. You look great. And you broke down the state of the state. And I played about six or seven cuts, Lee, early this morning because I thought you had the best wrap-up of what she did. But not just bail reform. There were three or four other major issues going on here in New York that she basically didn't even mention.
20: Yeah, what about our schools, improving the quality of education in our schools, lifting the cap on, on charter schools, kids stuck in multi-generational poverty, having access to a better performing school. Where, where's that? I mean, wh- you, you know, you talk about housing. Her housing plan is actually an assault on the suburbs. <laughs> I mean, she's talking about uh, basically anointing herself as town supervisor, county executive emperor, and more, giving herself all of these titles, if if some local suburb that didn't vote for her... I mean, listen, she's targeting Long Island. She got creamed on Long Island. So because... You, you, just, you could see it on her face. You go back and watch the video of the State of the State yesterday, and she's, a, she's recognizing these other elected officials. She's going through the other Democratic statewide elected officials, and then Carl Hastie and Andrea Stewart-Cousins and People Stokes. Look at her face when she is... Uh, recognizing Rob Ort, the Senate Republican leader, and look at her face when she's recognizing Will Barkley, the Assembly Republican leader, and she has that look of disdain. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't that. But, but way, anyway, these are good people. Yep. Like yep. I, you know, I, I, like I would be you know, recognizing all these folks, Republican, Democrat. You're just acknowledging the the different leaders. It's the beginning of a speech, and you go hit the ground running. But I, I, there's an act of retribution here that's part of the agenda, it came across not just in the tone, as I just mentioned, but you look in the policy, like the housing plan, and uh, the, you know this is no good.
9: I know, and then Letitia James, Antonio Delgado, I mean, God. You had a great one with uh, Allison Esposito. You guys were such a great ticket. Michael Goodwin, his story today in the New York Post was about Hochul, Lee Zeldin. He says, real message? Escape from New York. You talked about that in your piece you did after the, uh, the wrap-up yesterday, and you said how there was a time when, when Eric Adams said, hey, stay, and Kathy Hochul said, nah, get out of here. You, Lee Zeldin, Sid Rosenberg, Donald Trump, get out of here. We don't want you anyway. And that was a takeaway from a lot of people yesterday that she was basically saying, if you don't like it my way, get the hell out of here.
20: Yeah, she she actually says this out loud. You know, this isn't some conspiracy theory where we're reading between the lines. Go back and watch her rally speech in August, where she's telling people to leave. Why? Because we challenge her, because we don't agree with her on everything. We're supposed to leave, and then they want to lecture the rest of us about uh, being uh, inclusive and you know, making sure that, you know, New York is a home for everybody as long as you support me, apparently. And there's a lot of New Yorkers who are taking that advice and saying, you know what? All right, I'm gone. I'm packing up <laughs> and I'm leaving and I'm heading somewhere where I-, I am going to feel safer. My money is going to go further. I'm going to live life freer. And-, and she's basically daring folks to go and they're taking a hop on it.
9: I want to ask you about Biden on the way out, Lee. The you know, the report comes out that he's got classified information, stuff on the Ukraine, stuff on Iran. He's had it there for like seven years. He's not that far removed from blasting Donald Trump on 60 Minutes for the Mar-a-Lago raid. And then we find out this putz, he's got stuff there for six or seven years. He claims, I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. He's a liar. Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, I know much less in terms of document numbers than Trump. But he had him nevertheless. What are your thoughts on Joe Biden hoarding these documents?
20: This is the problem with the, the double standard alert, the the hypocrisy that people are going to be looking for when you're going after Trump in the Mar-a-Lago raid. My first thought was, man, I bet you that President Obama left the White House with documents that you might say are classified. President Bush before that might have left the White House with documents before that that you would say are classified. The the president of the United States uh, has an ability to be declassifying information on their own. And the idea – and we all know what happened with Hillary Clinton, right, with that investigation and the servers and the the mishandling of classified information. This is all about a derangement of trying to just take down Trump. And in it, it ends up warping your mind of analyzing it multidimensionally where you're saying, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to get proven to be a hypocrite in really short order. They don't do that check. So here they are and in a plain eclipse of Joe Biden just absolutely offended by what was discovered in Mar-a-Lago. And then sure enough, as you point out, you have this new story of he had his own documents that left the White House. And by the way, I'm not surprised by that. I wouldn't be surprised if other presidents and vice presidents left the position and they had some materials. But the idea that you're going to like start raiding Melania's closet and go through the bathroom, and <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the whole thing was just so over the top.
9: It really was. FBI team SWAT raids. And, and I think I read somewhere that they know for a fact Obama's got boxes and boxes and boxes of documents, which you could bet a lot of that is classified too, so you're exactly right. Uh, every time you're on, Lee, you're better than the last time. You really are great. Thank you for coming on on short notice this morning. As always, a grand slam home run. I love you, Lee Zeldin. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. You're the man. There he is, the great Lee Zeldin.
2: Oh, we gotta time do this. for Sid's Take. Can't hear it enough. I mean,
10: no, my God. Yep. Sid's Take.
0: Sid's Take,
2: yeah! Good yeah. luck. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion. Now, on, He's water sitting right
13: here. Whoa. On 77 WABC. <laughs> you heard it there. The great <laughs> spiel from the great Chris Libertini. The game Sid's Take brought to you by, or sponsored by, I should say, Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Pavilion Tankless water heaters. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, com for dealing near you. They are America's best built boilers. And uh, I think I'm better at that than you are, than you would be at this point. No doubt. Yeah. Comes right off the tongue. Rolls, baby. Roll yeah, Exactly. So there he is, the great Pete Morgan. Uh, our contestant for today's game, Bobby out in Pennsylvania. What's going on, Bob? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, man. How you feeling? I'm good. All right. I'm really good. Hey, now. Very really good. good. We lo- we love to hear wow. that on a Wednesday morning. Really, wow. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was, you know, what I was missing my va va
0: boom,
6: and when I listen to Sid, I get it back.
13: <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, hey now, wow, it's like a cup of coffee. Make that promo. Yeah, yeah, seriously, let's cut that up. <laughs> and we're gonna, we're actually going to have to. So thanks for the extra work there, Bob. God. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> All right, today's theme for the game day or for the game today, Bob, is Witchy Wednesday. So it'll be a, a horror theme. Uh, we'll get you some nonfiction, nonfiction scary stuff worked in, you know, uh, serial killers, all that good stuff, and then we'll give you some uh, some fiction uh, horror film, uh, horror entertainment sort of trivia. You, wow. you think you're ready to go?
10: Stop making it so clear. You yeah. could have said that Not any better. Not my wheelhouse, but I'm ready. <laughs> all
13: I'm right, ready to go. All right, here we, here we go. <laughs> some real trivia, and then some guys. Some, uh, some uh, we're gonna yeah. talk about the, uh, my shoe size. <laughs> we're gonna talk about lettuce. We're a, gonna little, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Okay. Just a dash of salt. Here we go, Bob. On to number one. It's
10: on with it. Let's go.
13: One. What movie serial killer would appear in people's dreams to kill them? Freddy Krueger. Oh, my God. Not his wheelhouse, he says. Better not be cheating, Bob. Went through yeah. this yesterday. Yeah, we have to go through this every day. All right. On to number two, buddy. Which serial killer admitted to killing 30 women between the years of 1974 and 1978 used his charm and looks to lure women in to murder them? Ted Bundy. Hey, now. Spectacular. Very good. Ah, Two for two. knows a lot about serial killers. Featuring a big green monster, what is credited as the 20th century's first horror picture? Give it to me, Bob. Too much time. Too much time, Bob. Bob, wrong answer. Swamp creature. Nothing. Nope. nope. Oh, good job, good job, good job. That was a good effort, though, it's Bob. The correct answer—it was right, it was it's right there. At the, it's at the top of your brain. Frankenstein, my guy. I'm thinking of a Boston Red Sox. Okay. No, oh well, see, well, that that's where this is not sports trivia about. This is horror Sydney. trivia. Exactly. It's Sydney. Exactly. Yeah. Here we go. On to number four, Bobby, two for three. What New York City murderer killed six people with a forty-four caliber pistol that led to the biggest police manhunt in the city's history.
0: The forty-four caliber killer. And his name was
13: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
10: Type,
0: type, type Sam. Nope. Sam.
13: Nope. Uh, kind of. oh. nope. you, no, had, you had a little bit of it there kind of was Sam Yeah, but it wasn't, no, Phil it's not Sam. David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the son of Sam not, not Close enough, but not really On to number five, Bob Let's uh, yeah. end it on a high note You are two for four Let's go three for five here What was the name of the demon From the 1973 classic The Exorcist? You yeah. you give him the, the choice Oh, sorry, it's multiple choice A. Paradoja <laughs> B. Pazuzu <laughs> C. Panini. Paradujou. <laughs> Very good. Is it? No, wait. No, which which one? Not, What no, did no, you then, say?
10: He combined two of them. What, yeah,
13: yeah. What What letter did you say? He, well, he's <laughs> wrong either way. Yeah. All right. Two, two for five ain't bad. <laughs> two for five is All not far. a bad score. You did well the best done. you could. Yeah.
10: This is Phil's ridiculous
13: quiz. Yeah. You started hot and then you ended. <laughs> you ended on a... <laughs> Ridiculous <laughs> Unbelievable Losing genius <laughs> What do you it's, mean ridiculous Alright right, We'll, we'll keep Bob on hold And Phil will shut up it's, For it's one second How many did he get
9: That's what you think He went two for five <laughs> Alright look how, look how handsome Boldito looks today by the he's, way He's, he's wearing he's a blue suit uh, He looks good And he he's got he a gun he's, he's got tan he's, right. he's got the pink <laughs> so he, he
13: looks, looks the Yeah yeah exactly He's the most handsome man here Are you ready to go No Okay Let's go What movie serial killer Would appear in people's dreams To kill them
9: Freddy uh, Krueger. There you go. The better question is who played Freddy Krueger? I have no idea. Great Shakespearean actor by the name of Robert England. Oh, I thought yeah. it was Steve uh, G- G- Guttenberg. Yeah, yeah. Guttenberg. Yeah. right. He yeah. played everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
13: Yeah. All right, number two. Which serial killer admitted to killing 30 women between the years of 1974 and 1978? He used his charm and looks
9: to lure women in to murder them. It's the Ted Bundy or Jack the Ripper? No Which one? Uh, Jack the Ripper. Mm-mm. Did you hear the years? Did you hear the years? No, I don't know. Yeah, 1974. No, no. you know? All of a sudden, you know everything, right? All of a sudden, you know yeah. everything. Jack the Ripper was in the 1800s. You never even heard of Moses he's Malone? He's 14 and he's telling you about the 70s. I know oh, because he looked it up. Everybody's a genius. Yeah, but what's his name? He's dead now. The Jeopardy guy. What was his name? Alex Trebek. Oh, you should have known that. You have the answers in front of you. You even know his name. Fine.
10: Wasn't he the 1700s too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. Ah, Jack
9: Burple is ah, not the eighth. Whatever, fine. No. Okay, was, let's go. Old. Okay, one for two, fine. <laughs> all right. <old>. Bo <laughs> would do great at this game. He's a cop. He knows everybody. Know. Every bad guy. That's yeah. it.
10: I know which one it was. Play Bo
13: <laughs> 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 against all these people. Let's Come go. on, let's go. Okay, here. Featuring a big green monster. What is credited as the twentieth century's first horror picture?
9: The blob? No. <laughs> what is it, Bo? It's Frankenstein. 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 What about the big green? Mo- oh, yeah, he was yeah. green, I guess. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The guy.
13: The guy said. Uh, the, the wall of Fenway Park. The, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did, <laughs> he did. Exactly The right field wall of Fenway <laughs> Park. No, they did, right? Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? What New York City murderer killed six people with a forty-four caliber pistol that led to the biggest police manhunt in the city's history?
9: David Berkowitz. Very good. I, good. I think cool. Paul was involved <laughs> in that case. There yeah, he, he was. Paul? Yep. So you're true, yeah. You're two You know that Bernard, my late partner. God rest his soul. He used to sell with cigarettes and heroes at the deli in Queens. Uh-huh. not far from where they found the ticket on his car. Of course we know. He's told the story a million
13: times. All right. fine. Not, you can't tell him anymore, right? that Why is well, yeah. I know. So I, I never knew that. I tell now, okay? Because so you, you may love have already died. Joke. It. God. Right, you it.
6: need this to win. <laughs>
13: <laughs> 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 you need this to win. All Let's go. What was the name of the demon from the 1973 classic
9: The Exorcist? Is it A, Paradoja? No, I'll tell you right. Don't even bother. The great Linda Blair played Reagan. Like Ronald Reagan. But, yeah, give me the rest of the demons. Go ahead. B, yeah, sure. B Pazuzu. Right. Or C, Panini. <laughs> is this a real question? This is a real It question. is. What was B again? Pazuzu. And what was... <laughs> I can't even look at him when he's... He, he has such a goofy face. Nice. Uh, what, what is that? Uh, what is that again? Paradoja. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Ah. We're running out of time.
9: I I think you have that on your penis, actually. The (laughs) other first word. I'm gonna go with uh, P. Papa poo poo. (laughs) <laughs> All right. What was the answer? Pazuzu. They, they I, to, I won. It was B. Uh, yeah, well, he he did said you
13: say B? B. He said B. I he said B. B. I don't I B. know why he, well, he, he said it. I won the game. He did better than the caller. We'll give well, it, we'll
6: well, it to him. He said Papa Puzo. Yeah, yeah, I can't, he can't say did. the word because he's a child. I
9: won the game. He combined them, didn't he? Yeah. It's like the caller Yeah, the caller combined the A and B. Who wrote this game? It was an excellent game today. Who wrote it? Who do you think? Macedonia Phil? No, it was Lou. Oh, okay. No,
10: it
2: was a demon called Paradugia.
10: We'll
9: come back and wrap things up with it these words
2: it's sid's take sponsored by fearless boilers and pavilion tankless water heaters on 77 wabc this is sid and friends in the morning 77 wabc
9: One of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs ever, Jungle Land. Today, the birthday of the great Clarence Clemens, who passed away many years ago. The great Bruce Springsteen, saxophonist. You know, it's funny, the very last episode of The Sopranos, they, uh, they had a party on Jimmy Allen's place at the Hard Rock, where I'm going February 7th to see Springsteen. And the whole cast was there. Jimmy Gandolfini and Michael Imperioli, Sherrippa, Van Zandt, all of them. And uh, they actually signed autographs, watched the thing with us. And we went to, well, uh, you would know this, Bo. The next night, we all took limos to um, Danny DeVito's restaurant. He bought Vic and Angelo's whole place. Bazzotti's place. Right, John's place. Right. And um, long story short, I sat next to Clarence Clemens at that event that night. And uh, he's gone now. But his nephew, his nephew was now the saxophonist for the E Street Band. So if you go see Bruce, you get to see a little bit of Clarence. Great show today. Thank you to Frank Morano. Big thanks to John Katz and Matides. Steve Gutenberg. that was a great conversation Bob and Anway from uh, Goya Foods and Raphael and Tanya as well. Peter King, Derek Maltz, Lee Zeldin, the great Pete Morgan, and my dear friend, the great Bo Dietl as well. All you guys, Lou Rapino, Matt Meany, Phil Macedonia, Justin Ellick, and Deb Valentine, back again tomorrow at 6. Until then, peace! Oh.